Welcome to the Penny Bloom Podcast. Ain't another place that has got more bombast. Rump past your mom, dad's listening to Tomcast. Talking everything that make you sad. We don't want that. We're here to make you smile. Put your mind at ease. Peace, love, and bloom, and always praise Keanu Reeves. This what we about. Get some weeding now. We'll talk until we can't no more, and then we peace and out. All right, let's go. Penny Bloom Podcast. It's the Penny Bloom Podcast. Penny Bloom Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome in to the Penny Bloom Podcast. Today, we continue the director spotlight, and it's all been building up to this for Christopher Nolan. We are discussing the brand new Oppenheimer. This movie was released July 21st, 2023. It was based on the book by Kai Bird and Martin Sherwin and written for the screen by Christopher Nolan, directed by Christopher Nolan. I'm Colton Robertson, and I'm joined by Joseph George. What's up, homie? Oh, what up, what up? Always a pleasure to be here. Oh, and it is always a pleasure to have you. We're talking Oppenheimer today, buddy. Uh, been, we got uh, to been, it. We did. We did indeed. We, we, Me and you took a trip just a, just a few hours ago mm-hmm. to go see Oppenheimer in a good old 70 millimeter showing, which was very, very nice to see. You know, mm. I, I, don't, I don't know that I've ever actually seen a movie shown via film literal film mm-hmm. not yeah. digitally projected uh and you could tell and i liked that i liked that touch um 70 mm-hmm. millimeter was a cool experience and if you have the opportunity to see a movie in 70 millimeter and especially this one strongly recommend but yeah uh, even the stuff that was like i don't know what you call it but like the little grainy or like not graininess but like the little stuff no, that would pop up just every now yeah, and then like film the crackles. yeah the, yeah yeah crackles that's a good word for it but like yeah. it doesn't like some people find that annoying, but like for me, it almost like gave it more of like an authentic yeah. feel. It like it, it makes feel... it feel, yeah, way well, more. It's real. also set in the forties and, and like mm-hmm. oh, and throughout through like thirties, forties, fifties ish is what I would mm-hmm. say. But uh, and so it kind of puts you in an older time period to see a movie with that authentic film crackling grainy sort of feel, and it was it was really interesting to see. Um, and I I. I'm very happy we did it. I'm very happy we we yeah. made we made a little trip about 45 minutes uh, west to go ahead and catch this mm-hmm. catch this on a 70 millimeter screen and uh, I'm I'm very happy we did. We're gonna start this one spoiler free as much as possible, like we did mm-hmm. with Asteroid City, to kind of just uh, let people who haven't seen it hear us talk about it, and then at some point we'll go ahead and switch it up. Hard to spoil a uh, a biopic about a yeah. man who you know created the <laughs> nuclear bomb. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, it was interesting though, and that's one of the strengths of this movie. And that's something you don't really, you know, you know, he created the nuclear bomb, and that's something that was so interestingly done with this movie. Is like the the tension they're building when it's like, oh god, are we going to destroy the world? You know, they didn't destroy the yeah. world, and we're here right now. <laughs> but, but you're like, sitting there going, oh my god, are they going to destroy yeah, the fucking it's, world? It's actually going to happen. <laughs> They really do a really good job of putting you in that time. Like, I mean, cause, yeah, you're right. Like, we know exactly what happens. We know, like, the whole story. I'm, we know the broad strokes. We know the, yeah. the big events that happen. We know the Trinity test. We know the two bombs that were actually dropped. We we all know that. But, like, never did it take away from the movie at all. Like, knowing what happens, I don't think, 
takes away from it. I think if you, the more you know, I think probably the better the movie is. Actually, like because oh, yeah. there were some parts that, like I had no idea about, um, that I was like, <clears throat> I don't know, just brought up in this movie, and I'm like, oh my god, that's actually like how it went down, and but, it was very educational. Actually. Oh, one hundred percent. It's so fascinating to see, like you know, you go into this movie. It was it's it's kind of brilliant of Christopher Nolan to have made made this movie because a lesser mind would go, well, this movie is about the Manhattan Project. It's about building the bomb and using the bomb. That mm-hmm. is all the movie is about. But it's it's about the effects that the building of the bomb and the utilization of the bomb had on the people who created it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah, that's the best way to tell this story because we know. Yeah. We know the dangers of the nuclear bomb. We know, it showed us what we wouldn't have known about this process, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, yeah. I think that was a much wiser choice than just being like, well, yep, and we're gonna cap this movie off with the with the with the bombing of Japan. Uh, mm. Yeah. No. Yeah. Mm-mm. No. And, and they like even in the project, I bet they knew eventually they would get there. Like I, the, like the the making of the bomb itself, and if that's all, it, like I don't know, that that was never really the focal point of the movie. For a little bit, they were really focused on like, well, you know, we need to make this time, you know, we need to make this date, we need to give a date for someone, hmm. um, you know, like. But there was never really a question of if, like, it was going to work or not. They were just like, well, yeah, we're pretty dang sure it's gonna work, but yeah, it's really focused on what's gonna happen after they get it done and. Hmm. And that I don't know that that was like the politics side of it. Um, oh, I actually like yeah, su- super fascinating because I think that's most people when they hear the Manhattan Project story, they just hear well, a bunch of scientists were in a desert for a little bit, and then they came out, they made the bomb, and then we dropped it on Japan, and that's like that's pretty much all I knew, you know. Mm-hmm. And then and then the more I I went on, I've watched some random YouTube videos on Oppenheimer and his life. And like before he made the bomb, but no, like it never really gets into what happens afterwards, like to him ever. And and like, it was a, I don't know, completely like not blindsided me, but took like, took me by surprise that that's where the movie was going. Um, Mm. and like they, they really were focusing on that. And I don't know, it like on paper wouldn't really seem that that's like the most exciting thing to focus on, on this story. You know, you'd think it would be the explosions and like. I guess I don't I don't not really exciting. No, yeah, same, that's what's fascinating you know, about this like, movie is that like that's not how I would describe it in any capacity. Um I think this movie's far from exciting, in fact. It's very tense. Yeah. You know, like it, it makes you it makes you feel what you're supposed to feel at the times you're supposed to feel it, I think. And in mm-hmm. that it really, really su- succeeded. But uh, you know, you see a lot of people talking about it right now as uh Nolan's best. Uh the best the best thing Nolan's done. And it might it might be, you know, it might be his best. I don't know. I'll have to, you know, it's funny. We did the whole anticipatory podcast. I would say it's better made than the three we covered. Yeah. I think, I think, it, I think it was, I think it's better than prestige. I think it's better than Dunkirk. I think it's better than tenant. Um, it's, it's probably his most interesting movie yet. And that I, I mean, it's a three hour runtime. It mm-hmm. does not feel like three hours. Uh, mm-hmm. that shit breezes the fuck by and that's due to the editing 
that's due to the the pace of this movie and i think all that really worked and it worked to its advantage mm-hmm. and therein like it's the most interesting in that it's just a bunch of people sitting around talking for most of the movie and i'm as gripped as i am with tenet for example or Dunkirk. yeah you know like i am i'm in, i'm fully enveloped in the movie and it is mostly just people sitting around talking um that's true. Yeah, it didn't need there was no action, no like, you know, crazy storyline that you're like, "Oh, I wonder how this is going to unravel." Nothing that, that that like is keeping you in like that. You mm-hmm. know, necessarily like like Interstellar, you know, you have just very very crazy things that are space and time travel and or dilation, all the stuff that's going on, you have to, you know, kind of think even figure out what's going on in the first place. But yeah, you're right. Like it is just a bunch of dialogue and they made that interesting for three hours long um yeah i i didn't i didn't really think about that until this now but like yeah there's there's zero action like in this movie other than the explosion and Mm -hmm. that like it like and that's not even action i'd really you know no no not one bit uh it's it's an incredibly short-lived part of this movie Mm -hmm. actually seeing yeah an explosion um and we watched the you see the trinity test you know like that's that's all that's all you see um as far as the explosions which i think is a wise choice i think that's a yeah it's it's in rather poor taste i think to head back to hiroshima and nagasaki and show the greatest tragedy in a single in a single swift movement that anybody on earth has ever commit committed you know um plenty 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 of atrocities and I don't want to weigh anything, but as far as a single action, one Mm -hmm. thing that happened in a single moment, dropping a bomb and killing 200,000 people. And I mean, in the end, um, when all is when all is said and done, 200,000, like, and I'm like, I'm like 50, 50 on it. Kind of. I'm like, on one hand, it is so bad that I'd really rather not, you know, have it like in a theater. Like we all know what happens and like it's it's bad it's terrible but then like that's what reminds people you know like that's mm. that's what i don't know what what would make like a moment hit even harder you know is if like i don't know how that's the thing i don't know how to go about it like if you if you drop down in one of those cities and you show some of the civilians just like yeah, moments you don't, before, like, you know, like literally all you would like, show probably is just a giant yeah, mushroom just, cloud. Yeah, I, I think that's the only way you could do it. It's just like aerial view. Like yeah. if you if you drop down into the city, show like little kids playing or something like that, like right before or something. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Like I, I, yeah, that that's like I don't know. But but I don't know. Like because it it was very fat, like very fast. No, I just kind of um, it just kind of yeah, it just and I um, think that's that's. Because that's how it really happened. They were like, oh, yeah. the test like, worked. And again, it's going back to what how J. Robert Oppenheimer experienced these events. Mm. You know? He didn't see that happen. Yeah. He didn't like he was waiting around to hear about it. Then he hears about it. And you know, the way it kind of sinks in kind yeah. of the effect that he's officially had on the world. Mm-hmm. You know? Um Okay. That's true. Yeah, because it is it is very through Oppenheimer's eyes. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it is his, per- like, the way he viewed everything. Um, and that's that's how he would have viewed it. He didn't have, it wasn't on TV. He didn't get to see mm-hmm. a video of it in, like, a briefing or, you know, it was just, 
Yep, it happened. Thank you for your technology. Like, yeah. and that, that, like and that's that's no, all it is. A, there's a lot of really good stuff about this movie. So all in all, whenever I say that, like, because for me, I think personally, after one viewing, I think after two viewings, this might this would go it would go up for me. You know, like I think that uh the more you watch this one, the more you understand everything. It's three hours, like I said. The editing is incredible, but the pacing is so quick that there is so much information dropped that it slips yeah. through the cracks just naturally. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's a long fucking movie. And I think the more you watch this one, the more you can get out of it. Um which is uh typically typically a pretty good sign, you know. Uh and I think that I would probably personally hold this at three or four on my like Nolan. Christopher Nolan ranking. Um, mm. it, 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 you said it in the car when we were on our way back. Dunkirk. It's about, it's about where I hold Dunkirk mentally. You know, um, mm-hmm. I think, I think it's better than Dunkirk. I, I, I think there's something to be said for it potentially being his best yet, but I don't enjoy it as much as Interstellar yeah. or The Dark Knight. Uh, I enjoy it about as much as I enjoy Dunkirk, I think. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's it's a different thing covering, like, Interstellar, a thing that hasn't happened. It's completely fiction, you know, made up, just mm. story from scratch. Dunkirk, it did really, really happen. You know, that that is a real event. But I guess some some of these things were... Hyper-fictionalized you know, for yeah, the story, and, yeah. Yeah, and, and then... Yeah, so, I mean, it, it is different. Show, like making a movie about something that that is history you know and then mm-hmm. it's like it's like a completely different motive or different purpose for the movie like right. this movie is like showing what happened to maybe remind people about what happened maybe we've lost sight of of this you know we haven't thought about it in a while i don't know if that's like his his motivation behind it maybe it was just that he got really enthralled in the book and was like i need to make a movie about this you know maybe mm-hmm. That's all it is, or maybe he was like, I, I don't know. I don't know what the motivation is behind it, but I mean, it, it's definitely you don't hear about nuclear, like we don't really hear about bombs often, like no. like in in our day to day. Like I don't know. Well, it's and just, that's what's fascinating too is the timeliness of this, the the amount of time that this has probably been being worked on, and I'd say there's been a ramp up of discussion about potential nuclear war in the last couple of years than there has been yeah. in a while. Um, mm-hmm. at least as far as I know, you know, I am early twenties. So like I've only recently really started paying attention to that sort of stuff. Maybe there's always been that sort of discussion, but, uh, as far as like the last 10 years is concerned, when I've really become aware of politics in the world at large, it's really been the last couple of years where it's been like, yeah. Oh, we might be fucked soon. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not a good thought. That's the thing is that like uh <laughs> like the complete juxtaposition of of Barbie and an Oppenheimer. Like <laughs> it's just it's yeah, it's like it's this isn't a movie you're going to go into to have a good time. Like that's no. I don't know. Like you're not you're not having a blast while you're watching no. this movie. It is it's more I guess depressing than anything, but not not like it, in the sense I, of like it's so bad that I'm The like, word I would use to describe it is harrowing. Like it leaves you with the sense of existential dread almost mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in a way that not a lot of movies do. Uh, but I wouldn't say it necessarily leaves you sad, you know, like it leaves you just kind of yeah. like, Oh, 
Like, dang. Fuck. Dude. Yeah, like. You know, like that's, that's kind of the feeling you get coming out of this. And to, to speak to this movie and how, how it was made and to credit Christopher Nolan, I don't think another motherfucker can make a movie like this. Hmm. You know? Uh, I, I, I don't think you can satisfyingly pull off the exact story that Christopher Nolan pulled off here in any more satisfying a way than Christopher Nolan did. Um, I think the kind of king of biopics as far as like non-fictional, uh, based off a book retellings of stories is Martin Scorsese. You know, I think that Wolf of Wall Street, The Aviator, uh, these, these sorts of movies. We're about to get Killers of the Flower Moon later this year. As far as the nonfiction stories are concerned, uh, yeah. he's kind of got that shit on lock. And I don't think he would have the touch that Christopher Nolan did with this movie. I think he would make something incredibly different. I think he would, he would, it would be like a different sort, it would be a completely different feeling movie. And I think the sort of intimacy and the, like, it almost it was so fascinating how it almost felt like personal, yeah. You know, uh, like it felt it felt incredible. It felt like Christopher Nolan cared a lot about the movie he was making, and that's something that I'll always appreciate. So, like, uh, hmm. I I, I want to give Christopher Nolan flowers for this one because it his his work shines. Like he he I'm does a really fan. really good job. I'm officially on board. I, yep, you know, I've, I've talked about it week after week here, how I haven't, I haven't made the switch to being a fan. And I think, I think I have, I think I'm there when you have a top five, like Interstellar, Dark Knight, Dunkirk, Tenet, and Oppenheimer. Doing pretty fucking good, man. You're doing pretty fucking good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's got, like, I saw, um, interview he was in a lot of interviews that he's been in recently and like just learning about what more of a like the kind of person he is but he was asked um like are you ever gonna stop you know like are you gonna take the tarantino route mm. and and you know stop making movies at one point and he was like no and he's like no i don't i don't i don't think so. he's like if if the story's there and it's good and you know and i have i don't want to make a movie about it i'm gonna make a movie but he's not worried about keeping a perfect track record or anything right. like that, but goddamn, does he have a pretty perfect a track pretty record so far? Track yeah. record. You know, I don't like Inception, but I mean, tons of fucking people do. So, like, I can't, I can't knock it. It's just not my. Mm-hmm. It's just not to my taste. Uh, mm. the, the man, the man's done the fucking thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's he's come in and he's made his mark, no doubt. Um, one of the only dudes who can sell a movie as a director based on the name of the director. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't yeah. think there's a lot of people who can do that, you know? And as far as like mass populace, like this, this movie is raking in cash. Like it is, it is making money. And I think that part of that is due to the Barbenheimer sort of event. Mm-hmm. I don't think oh, yeah. that a part, I think that if, actually what's funny is Warner brothers was trying to fuck Christopher Nolan over by releasing Barbie, uh, the same weekend because he's made every movie in his career with Warner brothers, up until Oppenheimer. Ah. And then they did the day and day release for Tenet with HBO Max and theaters. And he decided never fucking again. I'm not going to not going to work for Warner Brothers. So they were like, you know what? We're going to put our event movie of the summer on the same date as Oppenheimer. <laughs> and they ended up making little, his movie make yeah. more money. Little uh, did they know. They yeah. played per- like, I, I don't know. I, I wonder if it came out. A month ago. Does it really get it? Does. 
Uh, and, and that's the thing. Like, yeah. I, I want to. I, I don't want to discredit this movie completely by saying, like, I think it would have made mm. a decent amount of money. But the amount of money it made is because of the Barbenheimer moment. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's that's why the movie made as much as it has. Um, and you know, like, uh, people are like, ah, it's because we got two good movies on the same day, and it's like, yeah, you know, like. I'd like to think that too, but this is the first time I think meme culture has actually benefited the box office. Um, and I think Asteroid City was a decent, good, a decently good example of that as well. Like that was mm. Wes Anderson's most successful movie financially. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'd had the day in the life in the shoes of Wes Anderson sort of meme going on, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. gotten sort of a, uh, there's a certain relevance that people are looking for in other movies beyond you know, the typical superhero movies. We had the biggest box office, the fourth biggest box office weekend ever this past weekend. Yeah, that's insane. Behind that's... Endgame, Infinity War, and Star Wars The Force Awakens, then it's Barbie and Oppenheimer. Yeah. That's I mean, insane. how are you going to... Those top three are, I mean... Pretty impenetrable. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're 23 movies leading up to the the top two, and then from 1977 you know yeah Yeah. it's like from from all the like everyone generations of people were waiting for the next star wars movie yeah and now this is just a bart the first is there a barbie movie made the first live action barbie movie there's been a lot of animated barbie movies and a war movie you know i wouldn't even really call it it not even a war movie a historical biopic yeah an r-rated historical biopic uh like that's three hours long. Yeah. Like that's insane shit. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, it's, it's kind of nuts that this movie has performed as well as it has. And I'm so glad that it's performing as well as it has because mm-hmm. it, I, Christopher Nolan was always going to make the next one. You know, he's, he's yeah. always gonna, he, he's, he's earned that, you know, he's going to make his next movie, but I guarantee you studios will be like, yo, can we like come over here, Christopher Nolan? You know what I'm saying? Like we we're gonna hook you up real quick. Uh, but yeah. man, I uh, yeah, I I really really enjoyed this one all in all. Um, mm-hmm. not to the not to the extent that I've enjoyed some of his other movies, but from a from a sheer just kind of like movie making, like wow, this is a good this is a good movie. You know? Yeah, yeah. Not like all the reviews that were. Coming out, like, I mean, and in, in maybe it goes back to, toward like, every time I go into a movie with low expectations and I'm like, ah, whatever, like, I'm just going to watch this and it turns out to just, even if it's just good, it's going to be way better because I, like, I'm not, I don't know, the movie's going to be the movie no matter what. Mm. And, and like, going in with whatever expectations you go in with. But, like, I, I definitely went into Oppenheimer with very high expectations. High, high expectations. Um, people were saying, like, it's not even close. This is like Nolan's absolute best without a doubt. This is the movie of the year. This is like, and, and all these things I'm hearing. And like, yeah, it is a really good movie. Like, yeah. as, as compared to all of the rest of just movies that I've seen, like, yeah, this is, this is in the top 25, I could say, probably for me. And maybe that's recency bias, but like, I'd say it's probably more like, top 50 of all time for yeah. me you know like um i don't know well, I, I, the way people were building it you know like uh i hold interstellar in a an extremely high esteem you know i i know that a lot of people don't uh but i absolutely do i think it's 
as far as the heart of that movie, the emotional, mm. the emotions of that movie. Yeah. It, it, and th- that's not what this movie was for. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't meant to be quite as emotional as Interstellar sort of is. And I, but I do think, however, that there are a few things that I, that happened in this first watch that didn't hit me that I think would wallop me on a second watch. I think there are a few things that mm. like a rewatch would just kind of make me go like, fuck, you know, cause I'm so, uh, I'm so glued to, like again i'm always going to bring it back to this because the the editing by jennifer lame and the way that feeds into the pace of it you kind of don't have time to dwell on any emotions you kind of mm-hmm. just keep going from thing to thing and uh that I, I that absolutely doesn't discredit the movie by any means it's just uh it's just a fact of the movie you're, you're kind of moving so fast that you almost can't take yourself out of it to get emotional because you might miss the next thing. Um, but I think on a second viewing, I would, there, there are a few things that I think would hit pretty hard. Um, one thing that Christopher Nolan notoriously has a a little bit of a tough time with is, uh, writing women. Um, Uh, yeah. uh, Emily Blunt and Florence Pugh are both fantastic performers in this movie, but, uh, Florence Pugh as Gene Tatlock didn't get nearly enough exploration for the emotional hit they wanted to yeah, make. Yeah, yeah, um, that's totally right. Yeah, like it was more of an emotional hit for just Oppenheimer himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you also audience. You you also by that point in the movie don't really love Oppenheimer. Mm-hmm. You know, like by any means, and you never really do because you go into it knowing this is the man who gave the world the power to destroy itself. So you're just kind of like. Wow, this is about a this is about a troubled dude, you know what I'm saying? Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah. he's been proven to be a uh, he cheated on his wife with Florence Pugh's character Jane Tadlock. So mm-hmm. you, you you don't feel bad for him whenever stuff starts going wrong for him ever really. Um, and they didn't explore Jane Tatlock enough to make me like be like, oh no, it's 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 sad. It's obviously sad, yeah. but it's not. It's not because what the story did to make uh to make Gene Tatlock's death. I mean, that's hardly a spoiler because they breeze right past it. I feel like you know, like it's it just kind of happens. Uh, Gene Tatlock's death, and I think that's something they could have reckoned with more. I think Emily Blunt's character, Kitty Oppenheimer, was one of Nolan's better examples of writing women. Um, mm. yeah, definitely near the end for sure. Like, yeah. And near, near the end, she had a scene that was like almost it's my so favorite strong. scene. Yeah. Like I, I yeah. don't know, it was it was almost up there. Her um, and Jason Clark going back and forth at the end is fucking mm-hmm. incredible. But uh, yeah, it, it, again, portraying her as an in, incredibly complicated woman. You know, this is this is a complicated couple, mm-hmm. and that's one of the reasons why you don't love you don't like Oppenheimer for cheating on his wife, but you also don't really hold it against him. Yeah. At least I didn't. You know, I was yeah. kind of I was kind of like, yeah, man, I'd look for affection elsewhere as well. Um yeah, they weren't really. Yeah. They, they didn't have it wasn't uh, the best relationship. You could yeah, that, no, that's No. Sure. And that's what's interesting though is that like they don't spend any time building those relationships either. It's kind of just like a it's almost just founded on mutual respect more than it is like physical attraction and love it felt like. Yeah. It was just kind of like you got you got the smarts. You're dope. 
let's do this thing, you know? Uh, and that's kind of, that's kind of all their relationships seem to be. Um, yeah. and maybe upon a rewatch, I would kind of, maybe something would stick out to me, but upon first watch, it didn't really seem, it didn't really seem like that. And, uh, that's why stuff like that in comparison to some of the friendships Oppenheimer develops. Yeah. And maybe not friendships, but like, uh, again, relationships built on like a mutual respect with Matt Damon's character mm-hmm. at the end, you get a big fulfilling moment uh, uh, based off of their, based off of their relationship. I think you get the same with David Krumholtz's character. Um, there just a couple of the people that he's associated with you feel the connection he has to them a little bit more than you do any of the women in his life um and maybe that is symbolic maybe it is that women mm. always took a like his love life always took a a, a back burner to his work mm-hmm. um yeah because you would think if it was told through his eyes which i mean most of this i mean if not yeah. all was really told through his eyes other than the parts that just are black and white and are pretty yeah. much Robert Downey Jr.'s um, perspective. But you would think it would be a little bit bigger of a part of the movie or the story. And it's not really his life. It's it's his life, you know. Like this isn't fiction. This is like this is real. This is a real dude. But I, I would have thought that that it would have like his kids like I don't like they could have like I'd imagine that he would have had the conversation of like like I don't I'm not going to tell my kids this, but like, oh my God, we might, we might not make it through tomorrow, you know, like, or just that conversation of like, Hey, this might go really, really bad. Like, and just having that conversation, I felt, I don't know. I felt like, like something to, to give that storyline and it's weird Mm -hmm. calling it a storyline, but like, I I, I know, I don't know. It, It wasn't really focused on at all. And you're right in saying that like, the relationships he built with like the other scientists and the military men were probably more way more fleshed out than than the actual yeah. marriage he had. Well, uh, and, and that's the other thing too is that like from a from the perspective of a guy like Oppenheimer, when those stories are being told, he's a real reclusive dude. He doesn't he doesn't reach out. He doesn't try to make connections. In fact, he kind of retreats from them. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like the reason we don't see relationships explored is because he didn't explore relationships. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. They just, they just kind of were with him. And and at least that's how the movie presents it, you know? And, uh, another big example. And I think that comfortably we could probably, we've gone, we've gone for about 30 minutes. We can pivot into Mm -hmm. spoilery territory because there's not much about this movie you can spoil, but there's, something of a twist and then the very last scene is yeah just too good to spoil yeah so i like, didn't uh, want to spoil that for anybody that's yeah so we're yeah. gonna give you a warning you dip the fuck out of here um if you haven't seen it if you don't mind stick around uh because it's 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 worth talking about worth listening to i think but uh we are spoiling some stuff from here on in as far as the relationships developed in this movie another one of the interesting ones that uh didn't work for me uh because it was meant to there was it felt like there was supposed to be a twist at the end was Robert Downey Jr's character uh Strauss or, mm-hmm. yeah, Strauss right yeah. uh and Oppenheimer whenever it's like revealed that he's got like a 
deep-seated beef mm-hmm. with Oppenheimer. I feel like that's supposed to feel like some sort of betrayal. But there was nothing that led me to the contrary where it was. I I know that throughout the movie, he's just kind of been like, ah, man, how are we? What are we going to do? Can we get through this? You know, like uh, I didn't have anything to do with that. Well, oh, well, you know, like that's kind of his whole his whole role in the movie up until the end. And. I guess he was at a lot of like at the dinner party with him and stuff. And it was really really only just like, hey, they have it. They tested it. We need, you know, what are we going to do? It's like all he really was kind of saying there was no like it didn't i didn't uh, uh there was no relationship built on mutual respect there was no relationship between them at all it just it, it, they kind of knew each other is all that i really gathered from it oh i guess like at the beginning like he gave him the job right or like was that a different job even that he was being given like at the well because that's whenever he has the conversation with like he's like he's bringing him to wherever they are, some campus, I think. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, hey, you can. that's your house, short commute, like it's yours, you know, you want, he's like, all right, I'll consider it. So I guess he's like, what job was that? What role was that even for? I think that was a teaching gig. Um, okay, so that's where he, okay, that makes more sense. Because I'm like, it wasn't what landed him the, like on the Manhattan Project. That No, like, it's that actually after the Manhattan Yeah, Project. that was after that was already done. Yeah. Okay, so he, uh, so, because after the Manhattan Project, like, he, and hmm. that's, this is one of the reasons that I think rewatch would really benefit this, because yeah. I didn't key in on the relationship between Robert Downey Jr.'s character and Oppenheimer one bit, because I didn't think it was important enough to be a major twist at the end of the movie. Yeah. Um. I thought he was just a guy, like, yeah, role for the movie. And I'm like, yeah, they gave it to Robert Downey Jr. You Especially know? given the, like, nature of his testimony and stuff that he was delivering. It was kind of just like, no, I had I had nothing to do with that. I didn't know about this. I, you know, like, it, it was kind of all that it was for a while. And then it's all of a sudden, like, actually, I've been trying to tear down J. Robert Oppenheimer this whole time. It's been a deep-seated revenge plan from the start. Uh, and, mm. you know, like. And I, that's one of those things that I think would be more fulfilling on rewatch, but on first watch didn't quite land for me. I thought it was effective in creating a sort of villain mm. entity for mm-hmm. the movie, like someone who you were supposed to be like, this is the antagonist. Um, but the twist doesn't really like the twist itself doesn't really feel or have the weight of like the twist that you would want or expect. But, like, I don't think that takes away from Robert Downey Jr., like, his performance there. Oh, like, no, I mean, not one. Yeah, yeah, like, that, like, that end scene was, or, like, the, when it started just to unravel for him and he realized, like, oh, like, this is it. You know, like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not getting in now. Like, you saw him slowly start to, like, just get more and more pissed and then he, like, lets it all out in the office, you know, and, like, I, like, you know, he's, he's saying that, like, all Oppenheimer wanted all this for was just so he could be the most important man, you know, alive. He he wanted it just for the fame, and, you know, he wanted the bomb to be his, no one else's. And, like, I didn't really get that impression at all. I think he had a little bit of ego to him, that's for sure. Oh, he, but like, was, I um, think what's fascinating is, as time goes on, I think Oppenheimer's ego actually gets smaller because yeah. he feels 
dwarfed by the uh, atrocities that could be committed because of his ego leading him to this path. You know, so like yeah. uh, there's uh, there's an element where I think that the version of Oppenheimer that Strauss met is the version of Oppenheimer he projects onto him for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he, he definitely was, he he had a big ego. Like, I oh, remember whenever, uh, like. Yeah, general, yeah. the general played by yeah, Matt Damon. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. They didn't even say I was brilliant. You know, that's all they're giving me or like whatever. Like, he definitely had an ego. And I think that was like uh, a part of the story that I really liked or part of the movie I really liked was like the, the, from theory to real, to reality. Mm-hmm. Like, the closer he got to the reality of what was going on, the more and more he was like, oh, wait a minute. Like, oh, shit. Like, like he knew what he was doing the whole time. And they knew they were making a bomb. And they knew it would kill a lot of people. But it was really just like, it was like a physics discovery. It was like, we didn't think this was possible. And like, it, now it is. And like, it's yeah. their whole life. That's what they've studied their whole life. They love physics. And that's how he sees the world. And you know, so like, at first, it's just kind of like the biggest physics project at the time. And then, like, the more and more the project goes on, he realizes, like, oh, oh, like, oh, hold on a minute. You know, like, the, now, like it, as it's getting, like, the reality is getting closer and closer, he starts right. to, to break down. And, like, I mean, I think anyone in that position, you know, like, is gonna, gonna break down. Like, no one can be normal after that. You no, know, like, that's no, you're just, fucked. Oh, uh, my God. Yeah, like, in... It's well, like, and there's this, there, there's all sorts of movies in my mind that I'm like connecting it to, you know, sort of like there's there's a big one with any sort of scientific discovery that I always go back to, which is Jurassic Park, where it's like, mm-hmm. you know, you, you spent so time contemplating whether or not you could, you never even thought about whether or not you should. And, you know, that's something that they they did reckon with in this movie was whether or not they should. And the motivation was that if the Nazis get the bomb first, then we're fucked, you know, like that's. So that's kind of all the motivation you need to go ahead and enter this race. But then you come to a point when the Nazis are out of the war. Hitler's dead. dead. What do you do now? Well, we're already starting building this bomb. We know other countries are working on building this bomb now. We have to be the first to complete this bomb or else someone else might use it now. You know, and then it's like, okay, well, do we tell our allies we're going to use this bomb or... Do we not tell our allies we're going to use this bomb and just kind of surprise them? And then we enter a, a, a an arms race against those allies like the the cascade of just yeah. disastrous events because of the concept of nuclear weapons is astonishing. And yeah. uh, and that's the thing is that, like, you can hate Oppenheimer for creating the thing there would have been someone else in his shoes to make, you know, like eventually if it didn't happen as soon as it did, it probably wouldn't have happened as quickly, but like it's go like weapons will always be made. Every scientific discovery that's ever like ever get like that's ever made. One of the first thoughts that crosses every war general or, you know, anyone else's mind is like, how can we weaponize that? Even you know, the like, fucking scientists in this movie, whenever they remember when they split the atom yeah. at the beginning of the movie and Oppenheimer's like, well, there's only one thing on every physicist's mind in the world right now. And it's like, well, and then someone was like, can you, can you explain it to me? I don't fully get it. And uh, he's what like, are you talking weapons, about? a bomb, he's like, a bomb. Yeah. yeah. Like, he's like, Oh, Oh yeah. It's like, yeah, it's, it's not like, I don't know. There's not, not like, 
I hate weapons. I, I wish I could just hit a button and have every weapon on Earth gone in an instant. Nice. I know that's impossible, and that's really never going to happen. But, like, the one thing I will like, in air quotes about it, is that for, I mean, for the wrong reasons, it makes us pro- progress. You know, it, it yeah. increases our technology. And sadly, the weapons come first, and then all the stuff that mm. should come first follows. Um, because, like, if they, you know... Could have thought for a second, oh, this is a massive release of energy. Maybe we can harness that and maybe power cities and stuff like that. You know, like that that could be a first thought. I wish that mm-hmm. would be the first thought, but no. It's well, and then like there's gone. a great – I think it was Albert Einstein in this movie who actually says it. He's like, uh, he's like take your findings. Show the Nazis, mm-hmm. you know? Show them that this is what it's capable of. Because even they don't want to destroy the world. They want to rule the world. You know what I'm saying? You can't, you can't be king of the ashes. You know, like, uh, mm-hmm. they're like, take, take your findings that you might destroy the entire earth and show everybody. Mm-hmm. And it will make everybody decide they shouldn't do this. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, Einstein was really like a, a really cool character, like in, in yeah. here, like, but barely in it at all, you know, but every time he popped up was, was, like he is, he is a wacky dude, and they, I think they portrayed that, you know, like he's he likes his and be like, he likes his walk, you know, like he likes his walks to look at trees and like to goes to out there the every afternoon, and, yeah, throws throws some rocks in the pond, whatever. He's just hanging um, out with Kurt Girdle over here, walking yeah. through the trees, and I think like because I mean that's the thing is that like scientific discoveries like five hundred years ago were like, oh, the Earth isn't flat. You know, like it's not, it's a sphere and like everyone can kind of be like, oh, well, no way. But they can, you can wrap your head around that stuff a little easier than you can wrap your head around Einstein's theory of relativity. Like that's, Mm. that's, that. there are people that study their whole lives to learn that stuff. And like, it's still hard to understand. Yeah. Yeah, And like, like when I was growing up in school, I always thought of Albert Einstein as like, this is just the smartest man to the ever peak. live like yeah it's like how can you get smarter than albert einstein but he was really just one of the first people to to be like hey maybe the world works this way and like it's sort of right but a lot of it was wrong and like i like uh, i like that um they focused on that like in 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 this movie and even einstein says it. he's like yeah what i like the world it, it is not mine anymore you know like i'm I'm past it. This I, it's all for you. Like I can't remember the the age and stuff like that. But he's like, you know, it's past my time. You know. Yeah. Like, well, there was a really cool conversation between I can't remember who was talking to Oppenheimer at the time. I think it was Robert Downey Jr. because they're looking out at Albert Einstein. And he's like, I was hoping you could talk to him. And he's like, Einstein's time has passed. You know, like he he published his theory of relativity relativity forty years ago. You know, yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Uh, just a just a fascinating. Uh, because something that I've always had a tough time with is recognizing where these massive historical figures actually, like the time period they actually lived. Like, I know, I know what they Mm -hmm. did, you know, like I know their significance, but I don't like to watch the guy who created the atom bomb interact with Albert Einstein, who's hanging out with Kurt Girdle. And then they're going across the, they're going across the ocean to go see Werner Heisenberg and, yeah. and all this shit. It's just, it's just kind of insane to see all that kind of, uh, mesh 
yeah. right here. Feels like a multiversal uh, cameo thing, but it's actually just reality. Like I don't know, it know, feels like they're pulling in all these crazy scientists and stuff. But one of those like, crazy ones that just always I'm always just like, what the fuck is that? Like Pablo Picasso died in like 1973. Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah. During this movie, like, Oppenheimer, Pablo Picasso was somewhere. Uh, you know, like that's that, that dude I was existing. Bro, I, until this moment, I thought he was like 1800s. Yeah. Like, I don't yeah. know. Like, that's Vincent insane. Vincent Van Gogh was 1800s. But, uh, wow. Pablo Picasso, Picasso died in 1973 at like 90. Like, he lived through, like, he oh lived through the entire 19, 1900s, essentially. Wow. Uh, yeah, so that that's a prime example every time I think about like, wow, it's bizarre to think about when historical figures like existed. Yeah. Uh, wow. Because there's something so unreal about them, which is why I love biopics, you know, like uh, to to see them and and it's not them, but it's an accurate representation of mm -hmm. them. They're trying yeah. their best to kind of bring bring them to life uh, to see that done with Oppenheimer, who I've hardly ever had much interest in. But mm -hmm. Uh, you know, it's someone I probably should have had interest in. You know, like it's it's one of those things where it's like this man created one of the most important things that's ever yeah. happened yeah. to humanity. Like yeah. uh, Matt Damon says it. You know, that one guy that like turned down the opportunity to go to Los Alamos, and he was like, "Well, maybe because it's the most fucking important thing to ever fucking happen in history." You know, like yeah. holy shit, wrap your head around it. That was and, a like, great scene. Whenever yeah. they're pitching it to everybody, they're like, "Uh, so we're working, <laughs> so we're working on something." Yeah. Just uh, what is it? Can't tell you, but you you got to agree to come. Uh, you can bring your family if you want, but you but you can't know yet. You can't know until we're there. Uh, Compart compartmentalize. I always have trouble saying that word. Compartmentalizing. Yeah, that's it's like the death of science. It's like it's science is the opposite of compartmentalization. You need like everyone to work together. You know, everyone needs to know what's going on. But obviously, a project like that probably better. To keep secretive, you know, there there were some really, really bad people we didn't want to get a hold of. But, man, did this project just, like, show the government how strong compartmentalization is. Because it, if it can keep the nuclear bomb a secret, they could keep anything else a secret. You know, like, it, it showed, like, that's, you know, maybe the, the chain reaction you know, part of the chain reaction that he's talking about, like, that they started. Like, not just the explosions and giving people the weaponry, but, like, just all the ins and outs that happened because of this project. Um, and, I, man, it was just it was just so sad to, like, see... Because, like, you're right, like, I didn't really care about Oppenheimer at first. Like, I wasn't, like, on board with him. But, like, whenever you see his life start to, like, Unravel. just get thrown away. And, like, yeah. it's like, wow. Like, this dude literally gave you exactly what you wanted. Like who cares like who cares what political views he has or opinions he has Dude, he exactly what kills the fuck me fucking yeah, destroys like, me that they're like you could have given information to the communists and it's like if he did where's the bomb where the you, fuck like, oh, like where's their where's their trinity test you know, or like i guess they they had someone that like they had that but like they, like even so, it's like, okay, <laughs> I'm not saying like, oh, so what if he did? But I mean, like, if he had, y'all ended the fucking war. The Cold War is going to happen anyway because they are going to do their best to develop these weapons anyway. Like, that is, yeah, the even second if he tells them, 
even if he tells them how to, mm-hmm. then we're in the same spot we would end up in about That's 30, true. 20 years yeah, later. In a, you know? in a perfect world, if the U.S. could have it exactly like they'd want, no Russian spy that was in there, no anything, and it was completely contained, and the world found out about it when it was dropped on Japan. If that mm. actually happened, Russia still is going to be like, oh, I want one of those. That. Yeah, we need those now. Um like yeah, it's it's not like you can keep it a secret after you drop it on two cities in the world. Like yeah, it's like it's gonna happen no matter what. And that's that's the thing is that like all of this is inevitable. Like I, I on one hand, like I it would be nice to be like no, just don't even research it, don't even go there, you know. But like it's gonna get I don't researched. Know. It's like yeah, it's there. like yeah. it's like it's such a hard thing to to grapple with, and that's I don't know that, that like. During the movie, like, that's what I'm thinking of. I'm like, man, like, this is, like, I'm thinking of the philosophy behind the Manhattan Project instead of, like, the technicality and the science behind it, which I thought I was going to be way more, right. like, way more interested in, but they don't really focus about that, which I think is is definitely a good a good decision that they made. Like, if they started going down, like... Yeah, if there's oh, anything that Christopher Nolan learned from the reception of Interstellar... It was to make it more about the philosophical stuff yeah, and not so much about the mathematics. Yeah, bring bring uh, the science down a little bit. Like, yeah, it's it's and, and it really... was still extremely prevalent in this movie. It's just oh, yeah. it could it could have been much more prevalent than it was. Yeah, like like the whole filling up the fishbowl and the little glass with marbles, that. like a perfect way to do that. Like, there's so the story behind that is insane in itself how to like enrich uranium and how to like how they were obtaining that like it's crazy how they didn't even talk about that like that's a whole other process in itself um but yeah i think it got this much uranium and this much plutonium putting more in every time like when he dropped like three and then he was like (laughs) a fourth oh a fifth how about Uh, another that was that was one of those times where you actually like oppenheimer is when he's went like Mm -hmm. When he's in his element and sort of like, cause you can tell one of the things this man was meant to do was lead, mm-hmm. uh, like, uh, and teach most, most, uh, in a perfect world. J. Op, J. Robert Oppenheimer is just a really good physics teacher. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, yeah. that, that, that's just, if, if, if life was perfect in every regard, J. Robert Oppenheimer is just really good at teaching physics. Um, but uh like the the excitement they have there and the camaraderie they had there but then realizing getting getting wrapped up in that and that kind of feeding his ego and yeah. then getting to the point where they're going to test it and then he he recalls that quote he'd said earlier now i am become death destroyer of worlds and he's like oh god oh fuck yep yeah. i just i just damned all of us you know Yeesh. uh yeah, it's, I don't know, it, it is a, like, if we could do it all over again, you know, if, if we could time travel back to whatever year before we started this and, and do it differently, you know, would we, what would we change, you know, and I, I think it's really funny how they're talking about how, like, com, you know, communism and, and all <laughs> things and, like, all, like, during it, but then, like, to actually make the bomb in Los Alamos, he created, like, a, like a, yeah, community, a community, a commune, a community there. Yeah, uh, like a like literally to create this bomb that they wanted, he created a commune in order to do it. And like, yeah, 
I thought that they were going to get more into that whenever, like, um, his wife walked in the house. He's like, there's no kitchen. And she's like, oh, we'll fix that. I thought they were going to be like, oh, no, we all cook for each other. And we all eat in this, uh, you know, one yeah, plate. Right. Like, I thought they were going to go more into that. But they, I don't know, I, they didn't. Uh, but I thought that was just, was just kind of funny that, like. No, yeah, he literally created a, a little commune in order to create this, this was, weapon. Yeah, it's two loves together. New Mexico um and maybe communism three loves. maybe three loves yeah new mexico physics and communism he put them all together and he made a yep. fucking the well, biggest I love weapon the way that known. he uh you know he very clearly had communist leanings mm. at least as it's portrayed in the movie but i like the way that he's like i'm not tied to that ideology you know like uh yes yeah it's such a narrow it's just a narrow way to think that I, yeah. I can't think anything beyond this ideology. No, I, th- there are views that there are a lot of things that I like about communism, but I don't like everything about communism, exactly. you know, and they That's- get into the, the difference between Soviet communism and the United States communism and mm-hmm. Emily Blunt. I'm pretty sure is lying whenever she says she sees like a, she sees no difference, but you know, like a, mm-hmm. there's a, it was just a really, really interesting way to frame ideology, and it's a really scientific way, I think, to think about ideology. To That's kind how, of I've, like, how I've always thought. It's like, why label yourself a Republican or a Democrat? Like, the, what you're basically doing is saying, all right, I am this way, so I'm going to go with what the Republican view is on it, like, or or whatever mm-hmm. the view is. Why not just make the decision yourself? You yeah. know, like it, it's too hard. Like, yeah, it's like, I don't know. Like, just think about what you would do in the situation, not what other, what just someone else says. Is what a group right of people thing. you happen to think you align yeah. with. Yeah, because, like, I, I guarantee you go up to a random person on the street. You don't ask them, you know, left and right questions. You just ask them, like, hey, if you if you wanted to build a city, you know, say you're this theoretical mayor and you're building a city out of nothing, wouldn't you like it if everyone just, like, didn't have to work, you know. I don't know. Like you just asked them, like, how would you make you your life? If uh, everyone yeah, like- had a place to live and everyone had food to eat, and uh, you know, there there was no crime. Uh, everyone everyone got along theoretically. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah, everyone would you every- like something like that? Everyone's like on the same page. It's really just like the part. Like I feel like l- just the label labeling who you are is just dividing is more divisive than anything like that's i don't know it's just more destructive in my opinion and i just i don't know people just thought for themselves maybe i don't know maybe that's what it is like it's just it is weird to say like to labor yourself and i think like that's a perfect way to put it is like he does agree with a lot of the stuff that that comes out of the communist party like he he isn't afraid to admit that you know but he's like yeah i mean I'm i'm not gonna constrict myself to any one one thing yeah, and beyond beyond ideology, like nationalism and patriotism. You know, mm-hmm. I'm an American. This guy's Russian. This guy's Japanese. Guess what? Guess what? You all are though. You know, you're, you're all humans. We are all human, and we are yeah. all on the same planet. That the borders, by the way, we made up. Yeah, we made those up. The only real borders that there are are land and ocean. That's it. Like the, that's those are the only and rivers. I guess a lot of borders are rivers and like the, the natural insane. things. And yeah, and it, yeah. But that's the sort of thing that I think this movie is really fascinating for making you think about. It's just kind of mm-hmm. like uh, 
the the value the the value of human life which i never i never lose sight of but uh, to be reminded of it so uh poignantly and harrowingly to go back to that word i used earlier yeah like uh it's it it it's jarring you know and the more mm. uh, uh, this happens with a lot of the movies we talk about the more i talk about it the more i like it you know i, yeah. I like i like uh, this movie was really, really effective in the things that it made mm-hmm. me think about and the things it's making me contemplate. But uh, I think there's no better uh, scene to kind of portray the oh. the philosophical effects, uh, the the mental effect that a project like this can have on you than uh, once it's been announced by Harry Truman, per- portrayed by Gary Oldman, by the way. Don't know if you caught that. Uh, Wait, what? Yeah, it was Gary Oldman playing Harry Truman. Uh, what? Yeah. Oh my, that just blew my mind. Holy shit. Very, very good. Continue. Uh, No, you're all good. I I knew that would be a little bit of a thing there because it blew (laughs) my mind when I found out too. But, uh, uh, wow. Yeah. It's, uh, it was, it was fascinating to, when he, when he announces, you know, like, uh, 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 a bomb has hit Hiroshima and then the commune's going to gather because their project was a success. What they've been working toward is complete uh it's 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 seen its use and oppenheimer them all chanting oppie 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 and stomping their feet with that waving their flags like crazy yeah like yeah man but all that so that oppenheimer can go up there and say a bunch of stuff he doesn't believe yep yeah you know he's he's standing there about to have the worst panic attack of his fucking life mm-hmm. walking in there. And he's like, uh, we don't know exactly what it did, but I bet the Japanese didn't like it much. And, uh, everyone's like, yeah. And whenever everybody screams, he just, uh, it gets worse for him. Mm-hmm. He's like, Oh God, like he can't help, but continue feeding this spirit that he wants nothing to do with. Mm-hmm. But he's been put in a position where he feels like he has to. It's like, what um, else do you do? Yeah, it's like, we've been working on this. We've spent so much money, so much of our time. Like, you'll be relieved that your your time and stuff, like, it worked. But, like, to actually think of what that work did is, like, a whole mm. different thing. And I think, yeah, like, you see some people kissing, like, under the yeah. bleachers, you know. See and, other like, people stopping. And, like, yeah. And, like, that's... Growing up outside. Yeah, like, uh, the famous, you know like the quote like i've become death like in that interview like before he says that he's like talking about the trinity test and he's like some people cheered some people cried some people like it was all there was a a wide range of emotions Mm. but during the trinity test like i like i think it was only um oh what's his name uh in the boys um he's in the boys um oh jack quaid yeah okay yeah jack quaid he was kind of the only one during the test to kind of not have a cheerful no that's wrong the uh his friend that always fed him um yeah david crummels i don't know his was, name but he was he was like okay i don't like he he was kind of taken back and and, well, like, and there's just kind of this sheer like the the size of the moment you can't like as it was happening nobody got excited you know it wasn't mm-hmm. until after it was over nobody's hurt nothing's happened the thing we've built works yeah then we then we get excited you know but like as they're watching it it's all just kind of awe and shock like 
I've never seen anything like that. And man, uh, the decision in it, I don't know. I guess it makes sense now that I watch it, but I expected right when the bomb went off to have a massive sound quake, you know, like I thought yeah. the speakers were going to. But that's the thing. They were all so far away from the bomb that they didn't hear it until the shockwave hit them, you know, yeah. like they see it before like it hits them. And I think, I don't know that. I think that added to the suspense. Like, Oh, it added to the moment the, so fucking much, dude. Yeah. That, that first shockwave scared that the fuck occurs. out of me. <laughs> yeah. Like the, yeah. And then when uh, it hits and it's like, <laughs> it, I, I like jumped, you know, I thought, yeah. I thought we were just going to experience this moment in silence. And then it was like, Nope, it's going to hit them here. Uh, yeah, yeah. The first one scared me. Yeah, yeah. But then, the, then they show everybody else, and it's, it's like, <laughs> oh yeah, now I'm ready for it. But uh, the the Trinity test was fucking brilliant. But yeah. uh, to get back to the scene I was talking about, the uh, single best choice. Like as soon as it happened, I got chills, and this is the only time I ever got close to crying. I didn't cry, but my eyes like mm. like I kind of yeah. welled up. Was uh when everybody's cheering and then you hear a blood curdling scream and then everything goes silent. Yep. Uh, my fucking God, dude, I, that was probably the best scream I've ever heard in any movie. As far as like the way it was utilized, like I got chills talking about it. You could tell the difference like between a, a cheering that was, and then there was a sheer, horrific scream whoever that was whoever was in the booth and just had to scream like that oh my god um the idea that's like oppen like oppenheimer sitting in this moment all these people are cheering the death of who knows how many thousands and when that sinks in he 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 sees it and he hears it and he feels it everything becomes white and sees the blinding light he saw earlier and people's faces melting and uh the charred corpse he steps on on the way out like that whole scene is so easily the best in the movie that uh i i had no doubt in my mind i was gonna go with it and i was tempted to go with a shot from it too just the way when he's on his way out uh, he's like walking away from the stage and like it's nothing but his face is in focus and he's just kind of looking around about to have Mm -hmm. just a massive panic attack uh Yeah, what a a heart racing moment of the movie. Like you get the Trinity test, which is already like, oh fuck, like we're here, we're getting here, and like the build up is so good, your heart's racing. But then I don't know, my heart might have been beating harder, like during during that scene, like the little speech he gave, like because because it starts off kind of slow. You start just to see like the the wall behind him start to like kind of yeah, a little the shaking, shake, and, and I'm like. At first, I'm like, wait, is that real? I'm like, wait, is that is that like on purpose? And I'm like, okay, it's definitely on purpose. Like when they went back to it, at first, I'm like, I didn't know if it was like some, the film was messing up or something. Um, but right. then I'm like, oh, no, that's real. Like this is real. And I'm like, oh, now I get it. Well, because like, now I, I loved the decision they made to show you that it's just Oppenheimer experiencing it. Because mm-hmm. whenever they'd cut to other people and there was nothing happening behind them, mm-hmm. and then they'd cut back to him and his whole world is fucking, it's like... That's that's a good choice, man. Like that's a, it, it works in so many. Like the when he's in the interview room later and he's getting interrogated, uh, and it starts shaking behind him again. He starts seeing the white flashing light again, and just kind of the the witnessing of the test is the closest he's ever gotten to seeing how yeah. it might have actually affected 
people. He had to put the puzzle uh, pieces together himself. Yeah. And he knew how bad. So the imagination, like, like the imagination takes him so far and then they get that briefing after the bombs where they're showing the aftermath and then it's all extremely real, you know, like yeah. it's even worse than he thought too. He looked at the first picture uh, and then the second slide, he's like, no, he's like, mm -hmm. no, I'm done. I'm not looking at that anymore. And like, and that was everybody, everybody in that room was like, oh my God, like it, like it, you don't really like you heard, they heard Truman on the radio and they were all giddy and like, yeah, we finally did it. Like, oh my God, it worked. And then they see what actually happens and they're like, oh, wait a minute. They're like, oh no, like this is, this is not good at all. No. And yeah, the, the scene in like the, I don't know what to call it, like the war room, maybe, where like all those like top generals were and Oppenheimer and deciding where to drop the bomb. My God. Um, how like, detached that like yeah. top there's a up. line during that scene that i i legitimately scene. sighed and just like looked down whenever he's like uh we got 12 locations well actually 11 have already crossed off kyoto that's where me and my that's where me and my wife honeymooned we go and visit there every once in a while um i was like oh my fucking god uh just a, a perfect encapsulation of american imperialism Right there in one little line where it's like, uh, well, we'll dominate any place we want except any place that we might want to have, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And like the fact that a military base just isn't even big enough. Like if you were to drop that bomb on a military base, it's like you're overkilling it, you know, like in their minds. It's like, yeah, that's just overkill. This bomb is way bigger. It can kill way more. So we have to drop it on a city. And it's like. Like, I feel like people would have gotten the the same idea, you know? I mean, like, I don't know. Like, I Well, and then the I way Matt know. Damon's character delivers it, and he's like, uh, no, not one, two. Yeah. One, one to let them know what we can do, and a second to let them know we'll keep doing it until they surrender. Like, I guess I never thought about that. I've always just known that they dropped two. Yeah, but, like, I've never and, thought about why two. Yeah, and I thought it was just... They didn't surrender, so we're going to drop. But, like, were they dropped on the same day? I don't think so. I think they yeah. were a couple days apart. Um, I want to – because I don't want to get anything. Because, I don't know, they didn't really go into, like, a lot of the details on on that. It was just – it was August there. 6th and 9th of 1945. Okay. okay. So they gave them three days to decide. Yeah, yeah. that's – that's uh. No, that 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 was from the beginning. We're they were gonna two. drop two. Yeah, that's no matter what. God yeah. damn. The yeah. aerial bombings together killed between one hundred and twenty nine thousand and two hundred and twenty six thousand people, most of whom were civilians, and remain yeah. the only use of nuclear weapons ever. And and in order to get that much uranium, like that was hard back then. I think that that was part of the reason they dropped two was to show this isn't just all the uranium we have and that we can make another one. But, like, it is far easier to get that that isotope of uranium now. Like, it's they, we don't have to fill up a, a jar slowly now. We have an abundance of it in in terms of, like, how many bombs we can make with it. Like, it, we have a process in which to make it now. Like, right. it wasn't, like, in, like, 
It's, now that we've done it, we can just keep doing it. Yeah. And like the H-bomb, like the super that they kept like alluding to, mm-hmm. he was like the scientist who was behind that. He's like, yeah, no, we, I, I, we use hydrogen. I think that's, you know, we don't need a, a fuel source that's, that's not abundant. We just use hydrogen. He's like, well, how are you going to compress hydrogen enough to, to, you know, to even get it, get it to fuse? And they're like, oh, well, a fish. He's like, bomb. have you ever seen the movie Glass Onion? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, like I mean, and like that's the thing is that like that is actually how the H bomb works. They use yeah. a f- a fission bomb to just start it. That's the that's the kickstart is a fusion bomb or yeah. a fission bomb to start the fusion reaction. The fact that we even got that, I, I don't know. I'm surprised that they didn't like. Well, I guess it was just about Oppenheimer, and Oppenheimer was pretty much against the H bomb, not completely against, but I guess like. I don't know, because in his in his like little hearing that he had, he was like, "Well, I, 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 he did the research and he did what was necessary, but he didn't want it to happen. He thought the the focus should be more of like telling the world and like or limiting nuclear arms and like mm-hmm. finding a way, you know, about all that the politics and stuff, and not like making the H bomb. But that's like they were worried about a chain reaction, you know." Like with a fusion or a fission bomb, and then they make something that is even bigger than that. You know, like yeah. it's crazy that like it was just a te- like they truly didn't know. Like it's like the theory says this, you know, like it. This is how it works, and like it could. It yeah, could. we'll test it, yeah. and if we all die, we all die, man. Like wow, like that's. I mean, so like obviously we don't wanna all yeah. die but if everybody does die at least there'll be no consequences to face is yeah. is kind of the the attitude here is like well we have to yeah and if and we don't we're fucked the thing about science is that tech, there's a chance for everything to happen like that's like it's always near zero there's never a zero you know ever in me there's a chance yeah that, that was another line Push that, that button. Was on. yeah and we all go well or yeah, the theory theory says close to zero. You know what? What do you want more from theory alone? Zero would be nice. Yeah, that's what he's, yeah. yeah. He said, "Are you saying that there's a chance that when we push that button, we destroy the world? The chances are near zero. Near zero. What do you want more from theory alone? That was almost my line. Was what do you want from more than theory alone? There was a lot of like callbacks to that. Mm. Of uh, you know, theory can only get you so far, or." What more do you want from from the theory? This is just their job, and like the I forgot who said it to him, but he was like, you know, you can convince anyone of anything, and even yourself. You know, like you've convinced yourself of some things that maybe you don't even believe. And and he was like, you know, we we make the bomb. That doesn't give us any more reason to decide how it's used. Yeah. You know, and then you see the people who are making the decision to see, you know, how it will be used. And you're like, oh, well, that's a whole lot worse than, uh, you know, the pe- like the scientists that were were in there that were like after Hitler was dead, they had a meeting and they were like, well, do we even need this anymore? Like they were already thinking, of, you know, like, yeah, I, I don't know, like it might might have been better in their hands. But um, I like the. uh I liked that they used people who were in the commune and like helping building it. Yeah. Like the sect of people who was like, uh, we shouldn't be fucking doing this. You know, like we came here, 
because we didn't know exactly what we'd be working on. We were just told it was the most important thing ever. And now we definitely see it. But my God, can we not? You know, yeah. like that was kind of the, the, the sentiment. And uh, I, it was it was a really, really interesting way to frame the sort of dissonance between, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's it was just really fascinating that Oppenheimer, once he was in so deep. Mm. What what's the realistic odds he can leave that project? You there's know, a on a, there's a zero there. You yeah, know, an yeah, like, zero. that might be an actual zero. Um, because yeah, that's that is life consuming. Like, I mean, that that's all that dude thought about for a long, well, long not just time. That. There's a moment when. Uh, Matt Damon jokes about something when somebody's leaving the project. He's like, are you not concerned about like how much they know? He goes, no, we'll just kill him. And, and he goes, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But coming from a guy like that in a position that Oppenheimer's in, Oppenheimer knows that if he leaves this project, he will, he will probably die. Like oh, that's. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like he, like, if Oppenheimer decided to leave, that's that's done. That's done. So he's already he already has some strikes against him, and that and that's like Oppenheimer even says he's like that's why you put me on so that you can control me because you knew I had pa- yeah, a past and mm. that the U.S. doesn't like whatever. Um, and you know whether whether it was office credibility alone, I don't know, um, but I think that probably was part of the decision so that when it's over, we don't need you anymore. You know. It'll be a lot easier to get you out if you're not a a true American or whatever you know whatever that means. Mm-hmm. Um, like he get like I don't, it's it's just insane. Like how gave them exactly what they wanted in the minute, like the minute that they didn't need him anymore. It's like all right, well they're in boxes. We're taking them off and we're putting yep. them in a plane and here we go. And, yep, you've uh, done all you can here, man. Like, this is ours like, now. Can I go to Washington to like be filled in? He's like, what? F-? Like he's like, can I go to Washington? He's like, what for? He's like, like why? No. Why would you need to go to Washington? It's like <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I was just the dude who gave you this. It's like you wouldn't even have this without me. Um, yeah, he, I don't know. Didn't really de- defend himself much or like fight no. for his, his himself much. But I mean, there's just a lot going on there. Um, no, and that's what's that's. Uh, there's an interesting perspective about John, uh, J. Robert Oppenheimer here where because there's this is the flip side of the ideology argument. Because he doesn't attach himself to an ideology, he doesn't feel the need to fight for anything too fiercely. Hmm. Um, he, he never stands up for what he believes in uh, because he doesn't think it matters what he believes. Um, it matters what will or won't happen. Uh, that's, that's, that's all that there is, you know? And whenever it comes to Robert Downey Jr.'s, uh, Strauss at the end of the movie, he's like, did you know he's never said, I'm sorry, he's sorry about Hiroshima once? It's because sorry wouldn't do J. J. Robert Oppenheimer any good. It's because it happened and him saying he's sorry doesn't do shit, you know? And Oppenheimer knows that. Mm-hmm. He, he will internalize the guilt until the day he dies and he will, he will reckon with it every day of his life. But he knows that if he speaks about how it was the wrong choice, he gets persecuted 
and he anything he wants to fight like the only thing he even kind of fought for that he believed in was the the commissioning of nuclear weapons and kind of try and stop the manufacturing of them that's just because he knew Mm. like we did we did the thing we already did it we don't need any more like that's that's it we should try and figure something out where that doesn't need to happen anymore but uh I love how he used everyone there too, though. Like that one random girl that walks up and she's like, you know, they asked me if I could type, you know, and he's like, well, do you know how to type? He's like, well, you know, they didn't really cover that in my, uh, four year Harvard, Harvard, Harvard or whatever chemistry. degree. Yeah. Chemistry. yeah. Chemistry degree. They didn't really cover that. He's like, all right, you go and do, you know, do whatever now. And it's like, and he didn't give a shit about the bureaucracy, which is something that, that's another evolution you watch happen with him where. He doesn't give a shit about bureaucracy and then he gets bogged down in it the the longer he's in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just keeps bringing people onto the project and the general played by Matt Damon keeps going, what the fuck, dude? You can't just do whatever you want. This is this is compartmentalized. You can't do this shit. Uh, and he's like, well, I'm going to do it because you need me to do it. So I'm going to do it. Uh, yeah, and that one. I don't know, other guy from Cambridge or something was it came yeah. in. He's like, yeah, compartmentalization, I got it. And he's like, well, I said I got it. I didn't tell you that I believed in it or whatever. Yeah. You know? I didn't I, say I, that I believe in I it. I told you I understood. I didn't tell you I'd do it. Uh, yeah. He's and like, I'm going to tell you a bunch of shit that the general doesn't want you to know. So here we go. Uh, yeah. And it was fascinating to see a bunch of characters in this movie who uh, – like what I think is really interesting about some of the character work in this movie is that they avoid uh having to base relationships off of ideology. You know, like uh the dude who worked with Oppenheimer very closely, I can't remember his name, but that dude you're talking about that came in mm-hmm. and he was very anti union and communist and was mm-hmm. like, You can't bring that in here. Oh yeah. Uh no politics in the laboratory. He's like, well, I'm gonna keep doing what I'm doing because, you know, I think it's important to unionize. We should all have, we should all be working under the same condition, good conditions and have rights. And, you know, I think that's fair. And the dude's like, nah, fuck you. But, uh, they, they were like homies, which I thought was interesting. Um, yeah. there's a, I, I really enjoyed, uh, Chevalier that they kind of kept alluding to him and then showing him. But then they kept like not telling us his name, which was interesting. Mm. Uh, I liked that character a lot. I thought Chevalier was really cool the way he was like, yeah, like you can leave your kid here. I'm here for you. Whatever you need. Like, uh, yeah, I got you. Um, That was nice. And then when Oppenheimer holds it down for him at the end, he's like, do you still consider Chevalier your friend? And his lawyer's looking at him like, don't you say you do? And he goes, yes. He's like, yeah, that's my fucking dog. Uh, I, I, I like shit like that. And the way they kind of all hold it down for each other at the end where Matt Damon like respects Oppenheimer enough to be like, nah, he's, he's a good dude. Uh, he is a good dude. He believes in America. Unfortunately, purely based off of what you're handing me here, I wouldn't, I wouldn't pass him, but I wouldn't pass anybody. And they're like, that's enough. Yeah. And he's like, God, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do anybody for the, you know, like that's a, mm-hmm. I, I love the way the people who were defending Oppenheimer went to bat for him. And that was something that I really, really liked. Um, and the way Oppenheimer tried to return the favor, uh, specifically with Chevalier, you know, kind of being like, that's, you know, like they're, they're good people, you know, regardless of what they, what they helped me do, basically. Yeah. And I like the, 
I mean, there were a lot of names and a lot of people in the movie, and I like how they literally, like, if a name was popped up, like, Boar, they, like, literally show a shot of the actor who's playing yeah. Boar. And, like, they were like, like, this is Niels like, Boar, hey, by the way. Remember, remember, this is this is who we're talking about. And I think, I don't know, that, that was really helpful. I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm, hmm. I'm very appreciative that they did that. Yeah, um, the only person who they didn't do that for was Chevalier. Yeah. And, because they kept, they kept calling him Chevalier, but then they never, whenever he was in a scene, they didn't call him Chevalier. So it kept like, it, it, there was kind of this dissonance between, I was like, who the fuck is Chevalier? And then they get to that point whenever mm. he's in the kitchen with Oppenheimer one on one and he's like, yeah, you know, if you got some shit you want to slide down the wire, uh, we could, we could do something about it. He goes, that's treason. He's like, yeah, I know. That's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I just didn't. I was hoping you wouldn't think that, you know, like yeah. I well, almost like a, he's, it's like the mob movie talk mm. where like they're saying stuff without saying stuff. You know, he's like, a, that would be treason. He's like, absolutely, it would. Just thought you should know about it. You know, like uh, just in case, <laughs> just in case yeah. that was something that happened, uh, mm. which I, I thought was hilarious. But uh, yeah, Gene Tatlock, another great character played by Florence Pugh, who just unfortunately didn't get. Yeah. Nearly enough exploration, I don't think, uh, as far as the impact they wanted to make with her character, because the her death scene, that's a really good fucking scene. Uh and there's a couple really great scenes with uh Florence Pugh. Uh the scene where Oppenheimer and it almost seemed like it might have been uh Kitty imagining Florence Pugh on top of J. Robert Oppenheimer in that moment, not Oppenheimer yeah. kind of no. thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um which was another really, really fascinating little detail where that was one of the, that was one of my favorite scenes with her. Um, the sort of one-on-ones they had where she's like, you get to just come in and out of my life and you, there's no, there's no consequences. The way every time he got her flowers, she'd throw them away. And they, they just a really weird relationship dynamic that you never get to fully understand yeah. because I don't think Oppenheimer fully understood it. So like he just kind of, you yeah, like, She's arguing with him like like outside somewhere, and like oh, I just I I don't I just don't know what to think right now. You know, I always call you, and like, well, I'll always. And she's like, well, just don't pick up sometimes. You know, I don't know. Like yeah, I right. Was right before that, but it was like, what do you want me to do? You know, it's like yeah. like an impossible situation or whatever. But like, no, yeah, that's I don't know. It was a. I wish they would have dove into her character a little bit more, and because it would have. The suicide emotional. scene is like that's another uh, another just like. Oh, uh, yeah. kind of scene where, you know, you see her committing suicide, but then you also get this flash of what I assume is Oppenheimer imagining his own hands, uh, kind mm. of killing her, you know, mm-hmm. like he feels responsible for her death mm-hmm. and, and in some capacity, which I thought was interesting. Um, yeah. or maybe he's imagining that because he was close to her and now he's, working for the u.s government and she's like a known communist that maybe they the had her working for is do did it like there, mm-hmm. there's that that was kind of unclear to me but it was like uh regardless he feels it's his fault no matter what that yeah. uh, that this happened and that scene between him and emily blunt was uh, another incredible incredibly well shot incredibly well acted like mm. yeah, and whoever was talking about these this 15 minute long wild <laughs> sex scene that you saw everything and it's all there it's like none of that it was yeah, all in, yeah the like meme. i mean there is some people just ran with it there's some 
you know, some action in there, but like it's very short lived, and then it's like, and then it gets to just dialogue, you know, talking. It's like, yeah, no, I thought I thought it was all handled very well, you know, like the fact just, that the first I am become death destroyer of worlds came with uh, killing yeah. Murphy inside of Florence Pugh. Yep. Yeah, uh, we did. We didn't get the uh, the Trinity test or like an explosion as he climaxed, which we we were. We were, we were I, I, it made me respect uh, Christopher Nolan yeah. a little less. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know what? I'm actually uh, I'm taken back. I'm not. A <laughs> uh, I can't. I can't do it anymore. And those no, those yeah. the fifty fifty star flags. I sorry, sorry, Nolan. If you're not paying that close attention, then you I know, can't. Yeah, you, dog. Like, and I think that's satirical of the people that were that were like. Talking about that, how like oh he he got this one mistake wrong. I can't. Yeah, oh for sure, for sure, one hundred percent. I bet there's some people out there that will will actually the hate that, like some yeah history buffs or something. I don't know, but um, no, I think yeah, it was all like all the the sex and stuff. Like it was, I don't know. I liked like whenever they were just in the in the like hotel room, just sitting naked across from each other, like just having a conversation, yeah. like two armchairs. You know, they're just they're just naked, just chilling there just talking and yeah like i don't know i i the suicide scene like any any suicide scene is gonna is gonna hit you a type of way like obviously yeah. like it's 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 never fun ever um and it, it's always gonna to be emotional but i think that man it's just a missed opportunity like a little bit like they could have just dove to, into her story a little bit more and like given her some more moments or something to to make that scene hit harder mm-hmm. um and may- maybe it does on rewatch, you know, like may- may- again, maybe there is something there where I, I can kind of project that onto it. But again, I think you should, you should have that after the first viewing, you know, it shouldn't, mm-hmm. yeah. it, it shouldn't require a rewatch to feel a moment like that. And, uh, I think, uh, I think you, it, it didn't hit quite as hard as it could have. Uh, mm. but regardless, it's still, it, it was going to hit regard. It was going to hit, you know, it was gonna, I was going to feel that shit, but. Yeah, man. yeah the know. only the only one I'm still lost on a favorite is just a character. I don't know what character I would choose out of this movie. Like I liked Matt Damon and his character I thought was was like surprisingly like and yeah. yeah, like but I still like at the end of the day I'm like oh like okay. Right. Um like Oppenheimer himself. If there's any character you know? we explore the most, it's obviously yeah. Oppenheimer. Um, yeah. Um, but whenever we come to favorite character, I always it is kind of a split whether or not I go with who is like just personally my most likable character or who was uh, like the main character who gets explored the most. I think the most likable character in this movie is either David Crumholtz's character, uh, Oppenheimer's best friend, or Alden Ehrenreich as the Senate senator's aide. Mm. Uh, I fucking <laughs> love that character and the way you watch him kind of turn on his boss as the movie mm-hmm. goes on and kind of be like you fucking asshole you yeah. know you've always treated me like shit because i'm your senate aide but like you didn't have to do all this to this yeah, man like, what the fuck dude i didn't have all the facts you know and he's yeah. and like that line delivery of of the einstein conversation is like well maybe they were just talking about something a little more important Open yeah. the door. Here you go, bud. Yep. Meet Gonna the press. Yeah. And then, like, yeah, Robert Downey like, <laughs> Jr. has to, like, smile at him and, like, dude, yeah. like, to, to. I. <laughs> the more I talk about it, the more I actually fucking love this movie. But, like, uh, I, I really, really enjoy Alden Air. And, and I think, you know what? I'm going to commit to that. I think I'm going to go with Alden Ehrenreich as the senatorial aide. 
uh, as my favorite character, which gives us our second, my second favorite, uh, uh, character or performance that didn't actually have a name in the Christopher Nolan. Yeah. Senate aid. Yeah, is what yeah. Senate aid. And I picked Killian Murphy as shell shock soldier <laughs> in, uh, in yeah, Dunkirk, yeah. you know, uh, at least for the performance, mm-hmm. but, uh, mm-hmm. Oh yeah. This gives Killian Murphy a second performance for me in four movies. So, uh, yeah, he's getting the performance. I think that's, yeah. that's not even close. It, no. We're talking about things. That and that's what's close. crazy is it's not even close and everyone did so fucking good. Yeah. You know, like, oh, uh, yeah. Robert Downey Jr. is probably runner up, you know, like he, especially towards the end of the movie. Wow. Does he ramp that shit up? Uh, mm-hmm. Emily Blunt, I gotta say is top three. Uh, she did so good. Florence, like, and then all the other, like, just little roles who kept popping up. Yeah. And kept doing their thing. Alden Ehrenreich did fantastic in this movie. Mm-hmm. Rami Malik in his little moment. Yeah. Uh, yeah uh, David yeah. Krumholtz was a very consistent, uh, presence in this movie. Um, who, which I really appreciated. Uh, there, it's just a, all around, it, it, from a critical standpoint, it's a fucking good one, you know? Yeah. No, I, I'm struggling. Yeah, I mean, man, I'm I'm just still going back and forth on who, like, character-wise I'm going to pick. And I think at the end, I mean, like, I'm debating on if anyone beats out Oppenheimer right now is where I'm where I'm kind of at. Because I really do, I, I, I like, there's so much there. Like, at first I don't really like him as much, but then as the movie goes on, when he starts to, to start to break down himself and have all these questions, I think, like, I don't know, I think he did handle himself really well. Um and the whole like bogged down to one ideology, but then and then it's thrown right back at him like, Oh, but you're a physicist. Don't you bog down on one idea and then try to do your absolute best at that and then see what comes of it? Um it's like everything that there are so many just philosophical debates in here. Um and I don't know, I think I think that's really the strength of the movie. Not the science, not the actual project itself, but like the implications of it and what it caused. Uh, yeah, I think, I think I'm going to have to stick with, with Killian Murphy or, or Oppenheimer. For the character. As the character. I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, if there's any character that's getting explored yeah. the most fully. Yeah. It's I mean, certainly it, not Alden Ehrenreich as the Senate aide. You know what I'm saying? Hey, uh, but a good, I don't know. I, it was, was very satisfying watching him though. Like s- slowly unfold and being like, Oh, you piece of shit. Like I can't yeah. believe you did this. Like he slowly start to figure it out. Like the one, uh, the line he had of like, I remember when you told me, uh, that you don't want to be caught, you know, holding the, or being the one holding the knife or whatever. And he, mm-hmm. and then, or like, I don't know, like he had like so many comebacks for him that, that were just really nice. Um, but then, yeah, I think. I was maybe, maybe gonna go with Emily Blunt's, um, as, as Kitty. the wife. Yeah, Kitty, Kitty. Um, just for that one, her scene when she comes in and talks to the, the board yeah. and 16. like coming in there. Oh, 17. Yeah, man, that was, that was so good. Like everyone coming in all professional and just talking. There's all the men, I guess, that came in there talking mm-hmm. like that. And she's the only one to have like some emotion behind her words there, you know, um, that's, I don't know, not an easy role to play. That's for sure. No. Like, she had to, a lot of, like, be drunk all the time and, like, just, like, I don't know, be drinking, was drinking constantly and, like, just, cause goddamn, like, raising kids is hard enough on its own, but then when your husband is creating the atomic bomb, like, yeah, that's, yeah, I don't know. Oh my god. Um, 
I'd be I'd be pushed to drinking as well. Oh yeah. No, I mean, I think kids do that to enough people in itself, you know, <laughs> by, by itself. So I mean, like she's got more than a double whammy. Doubly um, the problems yeah. going on at home. Um uh, but man, no, I think I think I'll still have I'll give I'll give Killian Murphy the the double here for performance and character. Um, I like it. I like I really it. Did like that it. makes me want to go to line next where mm. I think we get uh what is probably like the perfect ending to this movie. I don't think you could have done anything to wrap this story up as well as what they landed on here. I don't, I don't think it's possible to have found a better last scene mm-hmm. to have built up this interaction between Albert Einstein and J. Robert Oppenheimer, the whole movie with Robert Downey Jr.'s character thinking it was all about him. Einstein wouldn't even look him in the eye. And it's just because he's so deep in thought about, Oh God, did he? Yeah, did, did, mm-hmm. did, is the world done for? And you know, we don't even know if that's actually what, what happened there. You know, like there's, there's, there's no telling what actually happened there. Uh, but regardless, uh, the line that Oppie delivers here where he goes, uh, when I came to you with those calculations, we thought we might start a chain reaction that would destroy the entire world. And, Einstein essentially has this, yes, what of it moment. Mm-hmm. And uh, Oppenheimer responds, I believe we did. And then he begins to imagine the destruction of the earth due to nuclear fallout. Um, That's my and- shot. Yeah, your line follows perfectly into my shot. And I was I was debating on, on what to choose, but I mean, you're right in saying that there really isn't a better way to end this movie. And I think like, Whenever I was thinking of like the motivation for Nolan to make the movie, I think him ending it this way is pretty clear in him saying like, we still have this capability. Like Mm -hmm. this, this is a chain reaction. Is it still going? You know, like, and it just over the span of a long, long time. And, and I don't know, you're like, it's a hard decision between like the complete space view of like the world just slowly getting engulfed in flames or like when all the missiles just went up and you saw like just all the the street you know just straight up and like it's just ah i don't know i love every time it it jumped to what oppenheimer was thinking at the time Mm. was so good like at the very beginning it was just particles and in little waves. On oh, the paralleling shots there, both in the rain, him looking at a, a body of water, the water droplets rippling into it, and he's thinking about the ripple effect. You know, like, what Ooh. happens because of this? Yeah, yeah. Every action keeps expanding and expanding, you know, and the way that they showed that at the beginning and the end, kind of setting him on that journey and showing him where he where it's gone. Mm. Uh, and and beyond that, the, the scene when Albert Einstein's talking to him Right before he says that, when he's like, you know what they'll do, you know, like, uh, you know, you'll grow up and they'll, they'll tell you they forgive you and Mm -hmm. you'll feel, you'll feel like you've absolved yourself, but it'll, it'll all like, it'll basically all be a sham, you know, uh, maybe my character's Albert Einstein. What a real Uh, one, man. Yeah. They made him feel like a good guy, which is, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. He told him like, you know, I, I left my country. You know, they didn't they didn't do anything for me. I, I turned turned my back on him. He's like, maybe it's time for for you, you to do the same. Yeah. Um. And it doesn't he say like I love this country though or something like that. He's like, but I love yeah. this country. Yeah. Um. Which is interesting. I don't know what they've 
really done. I don't know, like, I never got that sense of, like, during the movie, at least. Um, that I don't was... think... I, there's an interesting ideology about patriotism at large where, like... I think that when he says that, it's less... Any beef that he has, he knows it's with the people and not America at large, you know? He he knows how to make it... Uh, he knows what's personal and what's not, and he knows the entire country of America doesn't uh, doesn't hate him. Mm. Uh, and there's also this other perspective that could be like he needs to believe he did things for something. Yeah, some reason, you know. Um, That's true. I mean, it's pretty cut and dry. If he'd dropped like, it, if he'd like... dropped that shit on Nazi Germany, probably a little, probably a little easier for him to absolve his conscience. You know, yeah uh, that that is an interesting question. If if they drop it on what Berlin, like where do you where do you drop it? You know, it, it's still going to be a city. You know. Oh yeah. Well, and that's the like, other thing is then then do you come to a point where you know then they are dropping it somewhere where there's concentration camps and they're wiping out other Jewish people ooh. the way Oppen Oppenheimer like that's what motivated him to get ooh. into this is that. The Germans would use it to systematically destroy Jewish people. Like that's it's kind of crazy that like they like I had zero even idea that he was a communist or like part like thought you know maybe and he says he's he's not really but I mean definitely enough communist you know walk like a there. commie talk like a commie you that's might for be sure. a commie also Jewish too I just had no idea that the yeah. dude was Jewish like a communist oh, dude and the, the reasoning <laughs> whenever he's like we've got eighteen months ahead of Germany. And he's like, why? He says, Hitler thinks this is Jewish science. We we need to bet on him being a bigot. And we, mm -hmm. we will have more time. You know, like, uh, mm -hmm. like um, that's uh, insane shit. Insane yeah. shit. So, like, Cut that, dry when it's in Hitler, that speech but... I said w was my favorite scene. There is a moment where I think he does tell the truth. And the only moment he might have, he's like, I only wish we had it sooner, sooner to drop it on Germany. Like he, yeah. he's talking through it and he's like, uh, we did it. Uh, I don't know what happened, but I'm sure Japan didn't like it. And he's like, fuck, ah, oh, man, wish we'd have had it for Germany. That'd have been really nice. Yeah. You know, like, uh, yeah. that sort of vibe. Uh, yeah, Except I, uh, just a hard topic to even talk about, like, because it's, it's just so devastating. Like there's. And yeah, I don't know. You brought up a good point of like the eternal scene. I didn't think about that. Um, but cause they, I mean, they didn't show it go off. They just showed the aftermath. And even mm -hmm. that, even that alone was like, eesh, like, oh my gosh, like really you put this in a superhero movie. Yeah. Um, but even in the movie that it is solely about, they didn't even like, yeah. it was like, no, nope, don't need it at all. You know what you happened. Know what happened. Yeah, yeah, we get the idea. I, I said I was 50-50 earlier, but, like, there's no need. No need for just to make visuals like that. Like, there's no. No, there's not. Um, and I think it's it's incredibly purposeful that we don't even see, like, later in the debriefing, we don't see what Oppenheimer's seeing because we know what he's seeing. You know, we don't we don't need to see what he's seeing to know what the destruction those bombs caused is or was, I should say. Oh, yeah. And maybe like, we didn't see it because he didn't shit. look at it himself. 
you yeah. know, because I don't know, maybe maybe that was it. It's like he couldn't even look at it, so we're not going to show you either. And that's I don't know. I think that's that's the right call. That's for sure. Right. Um, I don't know if I have said it yet, uh, but we did talk about the the Trinity test. That is what I I did pick as my favorite scene um, overall. And I don't know. It's just the the build up towards it was was just not like 20 minutes you know them them putting that like first power switch and like coming in josh peck coming in there turning the keys to like turn on all the to to i don't know what what the correct like just charge the detonator i guess i don't know um yeah, probably yeah. A way to say that well, he literally um, says like, detonators charged later yeah. so like and and like it's just slow like yep 20 minutes or like not even that like i guess even before that like the storm you know, like it's stormy and they're like, yeah, it's, uh, we'll, we'll go at like five, five thirty in the morning. We'll go. And then like, there's, there's doubt. Well, and they're the like, idea they're like the, the, the idea that they're like, if it's a dud, then we're fucked. We can't do anything. Like, that's it. We're, we're officially done. Plutonium and uranium will be scattered all over the desert. Uh, we don't have any means to go on if this fails. Um, and that really one guy's like, I'm good. willing to bet a month's salary. Yeah, that this works, and yeah, Oppenheimer's yeah. like, sure, man, okay. <laughs> and like Matt Damon in the background being like, "What the fuck is that even?" He's like a month's salary compared to two billion dollars, you know yeah. that we that we and, and all the all the time that we've spent and like this literal radioactive ore that's just going to be scattered on the de- you know like. But okay. dude, that tension that they built mm. during the Trinity test and leading up to it is impeccable. You know, I was like. I was gripped. I was on the edge of my seat, which is something that this movie does a surprisingly good job at throughout. But like when they ramp it up, they ramp it up. And the Trinity test is one of those moments. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I guess it was, was it? Yeah. Ludwig, Ludwig Gorenson who did the, the score for this. And Ludwig Gorenson. Yeah. I mean, I guess, um, I'm trying to remember like, cause like when it came, like, I don't know. I, I can't, I can't remember like a, a melody or like a, you know, how it went necessarily in my head, but I know it was used in the right times. Like I, like the, the parts that weren't soundtrack, like just the stomping on the, on the ground and like the, him putting himself back in the, in that, that's mm-hmm. kind of more like, I guess the editing side and like the, the production, but like, um, I don't know. I, I think I'm trying to remember like can't remember how it went i don't know i'm trying to think i don't know if there was just like a main well there was a there was a music build up to the moment because i remember uh, like when it dropped out you know like that's something that's so effective when a mute when a musical cue does the opposite of what you expect it to you expect it to swell Mm -hmm. in a moment when when the bomb goes off but then it just drops out from under you and you're sitting there like oh shit you know, and it's completely silent. And that was something I got to give our credit theater, our theater credit for. We were in a packed house. I didn't hear a fucking peepaw movie, um, mm-hmm. which is yeah. that was nice. gave me gave were, me hope for humanity. Yeah, uh, I've had a couple were, bad theater experiences in a row, uh, and it was nice to it was nice to have a good one. Uh, people were locked in. That's yeah. for sure. I mean, yeah, everyone was was locked into the movie. Yeah, I'm listening to it on on Spotify now and. I can I can hear the build up. Yeah, like the build up to the test. The the song's called Trinity. Um yeah. so yeah, it makes I'll be I'll trip. be this is and, gonna be the the soundtrack for a little bit. You know, I, I went on Asteroid City for a while. 
Uh, I'm, uh, I'm going to mm. switch over to Oppenheimer here before mm. long because uh, yeah. this shit was good. 24 tracks total. Um, I guess that's, it was pretty that's present. Like it, yeah. there was always music kind of in the background, mm-hmm. which is uh, I enjoy when a movie is, is structured like that. Um, and I loved the credit song. Uh, mm. Yeah, I'm listening the to that, that now. Played when the credits rolled was really really good. Yeah, I don't know. Wait, I I was almost like, should we wait to see if that tenant post credit scene is real? Because I'm like, you know, maybe it was a joke, but maybe I don't know. Maybe <laughs> the protagonist really shows up here or something. Um, but I don't know. I think I don't know. I I didn't look at the uh, like the because like in Tenet, there is an Oppenheimer drop in there. They're like, yeah, like I don't. They they it's very brief, but it is there. And I I wonder if like um. Did Robert Pattinson give him the book after the movie was all said and done, or like yeah, was it was it on set? Party. It was at the rap party. Okay, so it wouldn't have been like a decision. He was like, "Okay, I know I'm going to make this movie next." No. with this little line in here. Okay, because I didn't know, but but some people are just saying that that uh, JFK. You know, they they name drop JFK, and I think it's just because everyone knows JFK, and they're like, "Yeah, who are these three people <laughs> that held their votes?" What but, was his uh, name? Kennedy, uh, John F. Kennedy. Mm. I've seen a couple people online comparing it to a, you should use your normal, you should use your middle name. I really like it. Uh, Robin. Robin. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, the, the, which it's just, uh, it's uh, it's like, ah, man, really? No, I don't think that's what that is. Um, but yeah, there's already a pretty great JFK biopic to my understanding. Um, Starring Kevin Costner and Gary Oldman, actually. Uh, Gary Oldman plays Lee Harvey Oswald. Oh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I did not know this. What's the, what's it called? Uh, JFK. Uh, oh, directed okay. by Oliver Stone. Wow. Yo, 1991. Okay. Maybe that's before my time, but yeah. huh? Another three hour, nine minute long little. I didn't know. I did not know that existed. Oh, yeah, okay. a lot of people have been revisiting it post Oppenheimer. Still blowing my mind that Gary Oldman was Harry Truman. Like, yeah, what and that's another fuck? good scene too. Whenever we actually see him, because we only Ooh. see him for one scene. Yeah. Uh, and Oppenheimer's like, I feel like I have blood on my hands. And then he picks up the handkerchief out of his pocket and he like waves it in his face. And then he's leaving. He's like, Never let that crybaby back in my fucking office. I'm like, M I Z baby Z O U. <laughs> like, goddamn. That's right. What he is a from fucking trick. Wow, yeah, like he's he's from here, Lee Summit. That's yeah. insane. Yeah. Independence right up the road. Or uh, yeah, Independence, that's right. Independence. Um god damn. Yeah, I don't know that. And I guess he's sort of right in there, like he was the the guy who decided to draw, you know, make the final cut, but It's like, like, I don't know, Harry, maybe you should feel a little worse about this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like you haven't done anything like that before. No one's done anything like no. that before. He's like, Japan's not thinking about who built it. They're thinking about who dropped it. And I dropped it. Uh, and it's, it's and then, almost like a point of pride yeah. for him. He's he's yeah. almost like, I did that shit, not you. Don't but you fucking then, worry about it. Then he walks out the room and there is his face on Time Magazine, you know, yep. or whatever. It's his face. Like, that is being printed and, like, his name that's being thrown yep. around. Like, no, they are thinking of that guy like yeah probably truman for they hate the u.s for doing it but then they're like oh that fucking oppenheimer guy like they're definitely thinking of that dude yeah i guess both of them 
but it's it, it was kind of like a like a ego battle or not ego battle but like a popularity contest that Truman was yeah. having. He's like, "Well, you, you just created the thing. I dro- I actually dropped it on the country. What did you do? You know, it's like it's like, "Okay, well that's where we're going." You know, I was I'm coming here to tell you like maybe we should, you know, that this is still a problem and like we got to mm-hmm. we got to get on top of this and like I I just he was just opening, like being like kind of vulnerable in that moment, yeah. and then it's like just thrown back at his face, like, "Oh, you cry." Well, I think he thought that the person who might understand how he was feeling was the person who dropped the bomb, mm-hmm. uh, and that person was like, "Nah, you pussy." Uh, like, I guess that's how a president kind of has to. I don't know. They just they you got again a different kind of car- compartmentalizing, but. It's still compartmentalized. Yeah, ma- imagine being the Oppenheimer's therapist. Like, imagine having to like sit there and be like, "Yeah, no, I know what you did, but like, you can, we can get through this." Like, how do you even? How, how do you? What do you how even do you? say? What do you even say? Yeah, like, he just he just gets done telling this whole story. Like, this whole story was actually just like a therapy session, and at the end, they cut to the therapist, and he's like, "Yeesh." Yeah. <laughs> Damn man, that's above my pay. Uh, Well, our hour's up. Um, (laughs) I'll see you next week. Um, Uh, We'll we'll unpack that next time. I've got a three o'clock. But uh, (laughs) what do you say we give a rating to this bad boy? Is that time? I think it is. All right, let's see. Hmm. Okay, enjoyment first will be interesting. Um, Tenant was at a nine two five. Dunkirk at a nine five and the prestige at an eight. Um, I think we're, I, I, for me personally, I'm hovering around that Dunkirk mark. I'm, I'm hovering around a nine five. And the more we talked about it, the closer I got to a nine seven five. Um, I think it's nine five. I'm comfortable. If I had to say, I, I don't think I can put it above Dunkirk. Um, enjoyment, like, ah, and that's I, I I do think a second watch will really benefit it, but a movie shouldn't shouldn't require. have to require yeah. that. Um, but man, it, I mean, enjoyment for a different reason than like a Interstellar or it's or just like, gripping. Yeah, dude. it's like it's it, just the story is just that interesting in itself mm-hmm. that like it's, it's know, incredibly. It, I, it just felt incredibly personal, intimate. Yeah, yeah. yeah like it just, it, I, I liked it a lot, and I liked it. I liked it a lot more than I thought I did. You know, when we started mm-hmm. talking about it, I ended up talking about a lot of stuff and realizing I really liked a lot of stuff. You know what I'm saying? So, like, uh, yeah, I'm I'm comfortable with a nine five for sure. Yeah, I think the the second watch, what it'll mainly do is just like clarify a lot yeah. of things that I'm like a little gray or dizzy on, like right now, but. As far as like, I don't think it deter like it it just it subtracts from the movie all that much. No, um, no. But okay, yeah, I, I I don't know if I could put it above Dunkirk. Um, I'm cool with that. Thing. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm cool with that. I think that uh, when it comes to like the ranking, they'd be pretty much tied. You know, mm. as far as like a one, two, Interstellar, Dark Knight for me, and then three, four, mm-hmm. Opp- Oppenheimer, Dunkirk, uh, with Tenet comfortably at five. Um. Would I put personally, it above the Dark Knight. I, that's tough. 
That is, is Interstellar is comfortably one for me. Like that is yeah. that's one of my favorite. Yeah, I have no doubt. If, if a movie affects me emotionally um, that on that level, yeah. then oh yeah. yeah. Um, and The Dark Knight, maybe that's like that's the closest one for Oppenheimer right now. Because I I I would go Interstellar, Dark Knight, or Oppenheimer. I think I don't know really where I put them, but then Dunkirk is is probably right there behind it. Um, but yeah, I think. I mean, as far as how well it was made, though, yeah. I mean, critic like performances. We got some. We got some. Going to be a great year for the academy. Like the, I don't really care much for the awards, but like it, like just out of this movie fun. alone it was fun to engage with it yeah. uh, Killian murphy's gonna get some a nomination oh that dude's uh that dude as of win. yet as of now what we've gotten this year there is not even a, a close runner-up for for best lead actor mm. um it's it's not close at the moment uh this yeah. this man is is him you yeah. know uh support and all the supporting roles like it's it's insane like how many Emily Blunt hardly had any screen time, and I wouldn't be surprised if she got a Best Supporting Actress nod. You know, yeah. uh, like Robert Downey will probably get one. I'd certainly. say um, I, Matt Damon could even could even get one. Uh, he he yeah, was there's, a, there's just a lot to like yeah. here. Um, and I'd I'd say, uh, I think the jump like the time jumps, it worked really really well. For the Einstein, twi- you know, like the conversation mm. with Einstein, and and maybe the second watch will clarify more on on Robert Downey's and Strauss's story and make that twist hit a little harder. Um, but I'd say I don't know. It it did kind of. You're already taking in so much information, and then you have to be like, okay, now I'm after the Manhattan Project. Now, now they, you know, this has already happened, and now like mm. you have to reframe kind of a lot. Yeah. Um, There's but, a few of those too. Yeah. Uh, something that I will, another award that I think is like technically the sound design, I think is pretty incredible. Um, mm. I think that cinematography is almost a fucking shoe in for Hoyt man, Hoyt here. Uh, just totally. uh, th- like we point, we said how this movie felt personal and intimate. And it's because I think it's because of how often you visually, you can tell what Oppenheimer's thinking, not just through Killian Murphy's performance, but through the camera work portraying Oppenheimer. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, yeah. His facial uh, acting was like, astonishing. like so much of it. Like just seeing his face and like his emo, like him slowly dwindling, like over time, like you saw his hair get more and more gray and like how, mm-hmm. like just like his, his face just seemed to like dag more. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's insane. Like, I don't know how much of that's makeup. You know, like obviously when he's old, old getting like the, yeah, 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 yeah. The, like that's no, obvious. Killian Murphy just did that makeup there. Yeah, no, he just that's just he has it like that. But I mean, like yeah. the some it for some of it, like it really just seemed that they just colored his hair, and then like yeah. it was really like him just like doing. He a has lot that of it. look about him that just like I've been through hell and I've seen the other side and I've come Bell back. Shock soldier. Yeah, yep. it's like maybe that was like. You know, maybe Nolan was thinking like blue eyes. Yeah, no, he they, he he has the he has the look, and goddamn, he he played a shell shock soldier already. You know, he knows how to how to how to kind of go down that route. And mm. and man, no, he this was was a perfect casting. That's for sure. I, I can't even. I don't know. I'm trying to think of anyone else who who could replace. No, like- I think yeah. we're I think we're looking at a movie where we got the only director that could have directed it. 
and the only lead actor who could have helmed it. I, yeah. I like, I, I think that's, I think that's it. You know, there's, uh, there's one actor that I think, uh, Matt Damon's role could have been given to if he were still alive, uh, RIP. But, uh, uh, the, I think the only person who could have made this movie better was Philip Seymour Hoffman, uh, who in Matt Damon's role just would have absolutely obliterated shit. Um, oh, ooh, that's good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Wow. No, he, that would have been, oh man, I didn't even, yeah, that's an interesting question of like, who else could could fill the shoes of some of these characters? Yeah, Oppenheimer, pretty. I think pretty that's pretty just dry, killing but... it, Murphy. Um, yeah, Matt. I don't know. Matt Damon could have been. Yeah, he could. Like, I think he did it. He he definitely played it well. And like, oh, one hundred percent, almost a character nod from me uh, for him. But man, yeah, that would have been. He was. Been he just had this performance that felt like it could have been versatile in other hands, like. He was he was very present. He was in a lot of scenes, and he mm-hmm. was he was he was the only kind of comedic character. He wasn't a comedy character by any means, but he was funny on several occasions. Mm-hmm. So I, I felt like his was the most open to like, oh well, I could see this person in that role. I could see this person in that role. Like a few of the other ones that like I like I don't think I think Robert Downey Jr. was the choice for Strauss. I think that like even fucking David Crumholtz for the role that he played, like that's, that's his, I can't yeah. really imagine much else happening there. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it's just, a, it was just an interesting movie, man. And uh, when it comes to critically, I think it's the best of the four we've covered here for the director's spotlight. Um, that's Dunkirk at a nine, two, five is the highest. And I think, uh, I think we're, we're looking at a floor nine, five, maybe a nine, seven, five. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Is it nine, seven, five? It's definitely nine five. That's a yeah. question. Like I yeah. had, it's, it's it's above Dunkirk. Um, I think um, I think I'm gonna go nine five, simply because there are a few things that I feel like could have been explored in a deeper capacity, like with Florence Pugh, uh, specifically, uh, fantastic mm-hmm. actress who I felt was underutilized. Um, the structure of the story, while it was incredibly well edited and paced. Uh, did leave me a little like not confused, but kind of lost in terms of what information I needed to know versus what they were just kind of telling me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm comfortable with a nine five. It's 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 just small things that little tweaks could have made it a perfect movie. But uh, it's yeah. And upon talking about it, it, it very well might be Nolan's best. You know. Um, I have a tough think, time viewing Interstellar with objectivity. Um, yeah, as far as the craft goes, like I mean, it's he is just kept building. Like, and I it's think what fucking filmmaking, yeah, man. Like, yeah, he he knows what he's doing, and uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm on board to. Yeah, I rewatched watch Interstellar last night in anticipation of Oppenheimer today, and I think I could comfortably tell you that. There's a, 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 a tangibility about the craft of this movie that Interstellar doesn't quite have. Um, mm. Yeah, Interstellar will make me cry all the time, multiple times, that's for mm. sure. And, and the craft of it is still incredible, you know, mm. like, uh, they, 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 did, they did extremely well on that movie. But, uh, 
there's there's something about this that just again we 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 ground ourselves in this realism, this sort of like wow, this actually happened, and it becomes that much more impactful. Uh, mm-hmm. And to do something like that justice is incredibly difficult, and I think they they fucking did it here. Christopher Nolan did, you know. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Well, I guess kind of he he jumps back and forth between like fiction and and nonfiction. Was it did Interstellar? Dunkirk came out after Interstellar, right? Did it go Interstellar, Dunkirk, yeah. Tenet, Interstellar, Oppen- Dunkirk, Tenet, yeah, Oppenheimer. So it kind of goes back and forth. So maybe we get a a crazy, you know, some sci-fi story next. Yeah, maybe that's you know, next. And and then we get a, another, I don't know, It's it seems he's kind of, I don't know, who knows if there's an actual pattern. He just, stories come up to him and he's like, yeah, I got to make a movie about this. I mean, it was a book, gift, you know, given to him by Robert Pattinson. And before then, was he going to make a movie about Oppenheimer? Probably not. Probably not. Um, so, I mean, it is kind of like the, the Grand Budapest stories just find your way, you know. They find their mm-hmm. way to you if you're if you're looking for them. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I'm I'm in the seat in the theater for whatever he releases next. That's that goes. Yeah, you know, at the beginning of this project, that was mm-hmm. something I said. I was like, Christopher Nolan's not one of those. No matter what he does next, I'm gonna have to be there. That was something that I I wouldn't have said before. But on the other side of this project, after these four, whatever he does next. I'm gonna be there. I'll be seated. That's a mm-hmm. that's a guarantee. Um, I like Wes Moore still. I can I can comfortably say that. I think um, I would say Christopher Nolan might not even be top five favorites for me, director wise. Uh, but regardless, I'm a, that's I'm, how much I'm, you like I'm movies. Because yeah, he's still exactly. a great ass director. Like that's the yes, thing is. is that like he's. Yeah. Still I, I think so I would go uh, just right now. Wes Anderson, not in order. Wes Anderson, Scorsese, Spielberg. Mm-hmm. I would act. I would throw Gerwig in there. Um, I, I I think I definitely like Gerwig more than I like Nolan. Um, and then to throw it even further back, probably Akira Kurosawa. Um, but mm. yeah, no, it's a yeah, good good fuck, fucking great directors, man. There's just so much good stuff. Ridley Scott, I like Ridley Scott. Damien Chazelle, La La think, Land, and Babylon, and yeah, there's we we're living through a pretty good time, a, con, a confusing time in movies right now, a little bit, kind of kind of going all over the place. But man, do we have some talented people? Um, to that, I don't know. Um, director wise, actor, I don't know. We got some, we got some incredible talent that we're living. We got some through. goodies. Hey, and if there's anything that this 95% for Oppenheimer here for us is uh, is showing us. It's that uh, these artists, they deserve everything they're asking for. Um, if you're, if, if, if you're one of those people who's like the writers and actors on strike, get off strike so that I can go ahead and watch new shit. Shut the fuck up. Uh, get the fuck out of here. These folks deserve more than what they're asking for. What they're asking for is the bare minimum. Uh, and, uh, they deserve they they deserve everything for providing us the sort of uh the entertainment and the the reflection of our own world that we need to see in movies you know like uh, something like oppenheimer it's not escapism you know there's there's nothing that you, you're not going to the theater to be like ah i just want to forget reality for a no, while this reminds no, it's, you it's, it's heavily it's a brutal, of it. it's a brutal yeah. reflection of the world as we know it and uh that's that's something you need and that's something that actors and writers provide for us 
and that's uh that's part of the reason that they need to be paid <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah uh, even if you forever. don't fucking like it even if you don't think it's good guess what you watched it someone made it they deserve to be they deserve to be compensated for their labor uh mm-hmm. call, call me <laughs> call me oppenheimer the way i'm out here unionizing you know uh, that's yeah. a, hey that uh, that's how they made the bomb that's how I they mean, made the bomb they made uh, the bomb by by literally making a commune and uh we call that, that we call that bombianism. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't think I've heard that one yet. That's pretty uh, good. That uh, might uh, have to be a tweet here soon. Yeah, right. Label uh, that and get that first before anyone else yeah. has that. Um, <laughs> bombianism. Just seeing if it comes up anywhere. Ah, oh, dank memes. 2017. God had a pencil. Marx had a highlighter. God drew the world. And communist. Oh, never mind. Where's Bombie? Oh, that's just the title of this. Never mind. Okay. Um, well, I guess it was used six years ago um, by someone. I'm taking it. I, I really, yeah, I, I really could have thought you, but you would. Communism TM. Yeah, yeah. I um, really. That's the first time I've ever heard of it. That was pretty good. But man, there we <laughs> are. There's, there's Nolan though. Another director down. Another Nolan. Another another director down. We got Wes and Christopher Nolan out of the way. We got the Greta Gerwig week next week, baby. I have already seen Barbie, and I cannot wait to talk about it. But before we do, we're going to give her the same treatment we've been giving Wes Anderson and Christopher Nolan, Greta Gerwig. We've got next week, Little Women and Lady Bird. Not in that order. Lady Bird and then Little Women. Mm. Uh, and then we're talking Barbie. A uh, little little three-day stretch there. We're calling it the Greta Gerwig. And I'm, uh, I'm very excited for it as she's just very quickly uh, become... Mm top top of the top of the fucking pops baby that's uh we'll be watching her career with with very great interest interest. very very great interest and i can't i can't wait to see what greta gerwig's got in store and i can't wait for you guys to hear what we had to say about him because we already talked we already talked lady bird and little women we got those uh all ready to get put out um and i can't wait for y'all to hear that that's next week and then we got barbie next week as well we'll be joined by uh claire de janeiro and I'm so excited to have her back. She's actually joining us twice next week because we are going to talk Barbie with her. And then we're going to continue the Christopher Nolan director spotlight uh, in, in soft mode with our comic book movie journey through film as we are discussing Batman Begins next Friday. Funny um, how things work out like that sometimes. Um, yeah, they, they always do. They always happen like that. But uh, yeah, I'm hoping that uh, hoping that Greta Gerwig gets a similar treatment, hoping that one day we could we can cover Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow, uh, directed by Greta Gerwig, in a perfect world. Uh, uh, for me, anyway. I would, I would absolutely adore that. Um, but yeah, we got we got all sorts of shit coming, man. Greta Gerwig next week. John Wick uh, coverage in the month after that, throughout August. We're doing uh, John Wick 1 through 4 every Wednesday, and we're going to continue our comic book movie journey through film, which I can't wait. Um, yeah, just a bunch of good shit. We're continuing our Game of Thrones rewatch. I believe next week is season four, episode nine, the watchers on the wall, uh, mm-hmm. which is a, which is a great battle episode of game of Thrones. Uh, but yeah, just a bunch of good shit here on the penny bloom podcast. Uh, if you would head to patreon.com slash penny bloom pod, where you'll find over 50 hours of exclusive content, uh, including a dollar 50 tier with written, uh, written content and a $3 tier with all of our recorded audio content. Uh, head to Twitter, follow at Penny Bloom Pod, or head to X and follow at Penny Bloom Pod. Follow on uh, 
uh, Instagram at Penny Bloom Podcast and uh, and Threads uh, might might become a more viable option sooner than we thought. Um, remember to leave a five star rate and review wherever it is you might be listening, and continue to download these episodes. Thank you so much for making this officially the best month we've ever had, uh, which is astonishing. Did not anticipate that after the last couple months, which were a couple of the worst we've had in a while. Uh, but hey, things turn around like that, and I'm so glad they did here. Uh, best month we've ever had download wise. So thank you very, very much. Uh, any new listeners, uh, thank you so much. And if, if you're fucking with us, be sure to share us with a friend, share the love. You know, we, uh, we love, we love talking here. And we'll do it no matter how many people are listening, but it's nice to know people are listening. That's a, that's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, with that, I was Colton Robertson. I was joined by Joseph George. Thank you very much, homie. Oh, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to be here. Oh, it's always a pleasure to have you. And remember, peace, love, and bloom. I don't think there's anything better to say than I am become death, destroyer of worlds.